Come on and join me on the B-side When movie stars that weren't in their prime Made other movies that got left behind That got them covered on the B-side You're gonna like it on the B-side Cause you got Danny Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the B-Side Podcast for the film stage. Here we talk about movie stars, not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And today, it's, it's exciting. We're all in the same room. Which, yeah. yeah. That's nice. That doesn't often happen. It never happens. I don't yeah. think I've even done one other than with you only, Connor. Right. In the same room. I don't think I've ever been... In the same uh, room as a guest. No, we did a couple together. Yeah. Not for nothing. We did. In the early days. I think Jack. We did, oh, Jack yeah. Nicholson yeah. we did together. I'm and forgetting Charlize about. We did together. At our office. So way back. Yes. Way back when. So, okay. The office. But, yeah, that's true. Back when we had the office, we did a couple. That's yeah. right. That's right. I forgot about that. It's but I do time. think the last one you and I did in person was many years ago. Brad literally Pitt, right Denzel before Washington. COVID. Uh, Brad Pitt, Denzel Washington, right? No, no, no. Harrison Ford. Uh, we did together. But yeah. That it's been a while. A long time. So, so we're going to talk about so Jodie Foster. So it sounds Foster. like shit, listener. You know That's why. why it's a little different. <laughs> um, but the energy will be better. Yeah, that's right. So we're talking about Jodie Foster, Alicia Christian Foster, her given name, um, who, as we are recording, is, and this is just one of those things that's wild to me. Obviously, she looks amazing, but she's her birthday is November 19th. She's 61. Yep. Yeah. Which is just like she has been around. And obviously she started her whole working life. when she yeah. was three. Yeah. Yeah. So she has literally been working for 60 years. But it's just so crazy that she could conceivably work for another 30 years. Like she could be in a movie at 2050 and she was in episodes of Gunsmoke. Sure. Right. right. Which is just that to me. Will there even be movies in 2050? Great question. Right. Will anybody even know that Gunsmoke existed? I mean, if I'm alive, I guess it'll be me. It'll be us. <laughs> Honestly, but, there are probably a few people listening now who are like Googling oh, Gunsmoke. Many, probably <laughs> more than a few. Probably most of our listeners like Gunsmoke? Tell me about this Gunsmoke. Anyway, so Jodie Foster um, is our subject. Uh, part of one of our polls, she was voted. Uh, yeah, we did know, a poll on... Uh, the the women of Martin Scorsese films, Scorsese's and, ladies, and Scorsese's yeah. ladies, yeah, and uh, Scorsese, right? Scorsese, I, I, uh, yeah, that's what I said. I think yeah. he says Scorsese. Wait, so hang sure. on. what? Who are the other people? Uh, Ellen remember. Burstyn, Sharp Burst, ah, Margot Robbie, Robs, and who was the other one? I don't know. I don't. But yeah. Jody won. But Jody won. And we have an esteemed guest with us. She's been with us before. She'll be with us in the future. Katie Clark Gray of Uncompromised Creative, writer and producer of films and podcasts. Katie, how are you? I am fine. It's good to see you. It's good to see you in person. You have new hair, which is exciting. I do. It's very pink. Listener, you can't see, but it's pink. Looks very pink. nice. Looks very, very nice. And we're in Connor's abode, which is also very nice. He's got. A, I'm just kind of noticing a Sabrina poster. Oh uh, yes, quite uh-huh. lovely. Uh huh. The original. <laughs> Though I do think the remake's of better. Uh, I do really? think the remake's okay. better. Come at me. It's better. Anyway, they're both very good. <laughs> so Jodie Foster, um, let's talk about it. The B-sides are going to be Bugsy Malone, Alan Parker's movie from, I think, 76. 76. Backtrack slash Catch Fire from, you know, the 1990, kind of, 91. Yeah. It had multiple releases. We'll talk about that. Directed by Dennis Hopper. Then we're going to jump, jump, jump and talk about Nim's Island from, I want to say, 08, maybe 09. Yes. And then... Um, and to be clear, part of the reason we're skipping the 90s 
There's not many B-sides. Is yeah, Jodie Foster kind of was really cooking. And also, we should say she actually, for as long as she has been a star, and she was a Disney kid, she made a lot of Disney movies, and she was on a lot of TV shows, as we said. And obviously, Taxi Driver was the big breakup, she uh, big breakout role. She got nominated for an Oscar. She was 12 years old. She actually has not made that many movies. She's made like less than 40 big movies. If you look at her. Mm. If you look at all of the years, she, because huh. I was looking at it, she has really been the lead or one of the leads of her. She, like Nicole Kidman has made way more movies and is probably a bigger bankable movie star. But if you look at like her highest grossing movies, Nicole Kidman, she's often like, she's got a little part in an Adam Sandler movie. She's got a little part, like she right. does a lot of it's those Aquaman things. It's Aquaman or it's like, right. she's, oh yeah, 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 right, right. Exactly. right. She's like in Aquaman, but like yeah. this fourth lead, like Jody. Has been like a star of her own movies, of Jodie Foster mostly, films, like yeah. you know, or Coley, yeah. basically for fifty years, which is kind of astonishing. So that's interesting. But anyway, Nimza, and then our final one um, is The Beaver, which she is also own. in. It's probably the one of her Beaver. Yeah, the, the Beaver. Beaver. The Beaver. <laughs> Beaver. I was waiting for that. <laughs> one of her smaller roles, probably, but she did direct it, and that yes. was a big blacklist screenplay. It's starring Mel Gibson and Anton Yelchin, and I'll have to censor that. A out young, later. Mel, Mel oh and a young, uh, <laughs> a young Jennifer Lawrence, who's quite, yeah, which quite I lovely was not in it. Prepared for kind of a not... wild timepiece, actually. Yeah, like I was. Beaver, I yeah. she showed up, and I was like, "Wait, is that?" Is that J-Lo? <laughs> and she made two, what's funny is she plays a, that type of a role in two Anton Yelchin movies because it's that movie and then like, right around that like time. Like Crazy, right? I, yeah. was, I was at oh. Sundance yeah. where the movie Like Crazy. She's like the plucky friend in that movie, right? Yeah, so like, no, no, yeah. she's the other woman. So Like uh, like Crazy is a Drake Doremus movie that was at one of these huge Sundance hits that I always tell the story. Me and Jordan Raup. We're at Eccles Theater in Sundance. We went to the premiere and <laughs> it was one of those funny movies. And this is just a festival thing. It's well documented. Bit pack theater, everybody's there, whatever. Movie ends. It it everybody gets up. It's like, ah, oh, like, oh my God, what a great movie. And me and Jay like looked at each other, we're like, that was okay. That was okay. Like, not like we're yeah. better than these people, but the weird festival thing of like, this does happen. Like, yeah. Sometimes people are movie, just jacked and the movie there. like right. sold to like maybe Searchlight or something for a lot of money. And it came out and nobody like didn't yeah. make a lot of money, got okay reviews. And like will be covered on a future B-side probably. probably. Yeah. And like, it's just a funny <laughs> thing where it's, I believe that one was Anton Yelchin and Felicity Jones. Oh. And it's basically, if I'm remembering, it's like, uh, she's British, he's American, they start a romance and it then it becomes the thing of like surviving the romance because she has to go back to Britain. You know, it's young love. And like Jennifer Lawrence is like the other girl. And in the movie, you're like, Jennifer Lawrence is right there. She's <laughs> looking like she's pretty great. No knock at all on Felicity Jones, yeah. but my word. I mean, yeah. this is early Jennifer Lawrence. You're like, Winter's, I think she had just been nominated for uh, Winter's Bone. Anyway, so going back, The Beaver's our last movie, um, and Jody did direct it. And so Jody, we should say, she has directed a few movies, Little Man Tate, Home for the Holidays. Uh, then she did 
The Beaver, and then in between was another movie that I'm not going to remember. Money Monster was after yes. The Beaver. What if and I think that's actually it. Yeah. It was after The Beaver. Yeah, I think she's only done four. She into, did episodes know. of Black Mirror. She did yes. episodes of Orange is the New Black. I think Archangel is her Black Mirror episode. So she's like always been directing. Yeah. And, you know, it, uh, always involved. In, 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 and look, Little Man Tate, we should just also say... I don't know that she would like this wording based on the interviews I was watching in prep for this. She was something of a prodigy. And like one of the reasons Scott Frank's script of Little Man Tate spoke to her is because she saw herself in that in the, in the character I mean, of you Little have Man to Tate, imagine it, even, who is a prodigy, single mom. Right. Yeah, but, like you have to imagine, you, what, Katie, have you seen Little Man Tate? I I don't think I have. It's basically actually. quick. Uh, it's not really a B-side. Something like that. Right. Quick. Well, yeah, it could be a B side. It's, I mean, it's not a directorial B side. Jodie Foster, yeah, as like a working single mom, yeah, she's like has a, a kid middle who's class, a, who's a middle prodigy. Class, who yeah. I can't remember the actor's name. I know he's he's in Jumanji. He's the kid from Jumanji yeah. and Halloween H two O. Right, well. he had a little career. Well, yeah. He's not an actor. He was just a New York kid. Yeah, okay. and the casting yeah. director just liked. He's energy. very he's very good in the movie. Um, very good, very good. And Diane Weist runs this like this like school slash organization for like prodigy kids, right? And essentially wants to like get Jodie Foster to like have this kid go on this like all these tours with her and all this stuff, right? And so it just becomes butting heads, whatever. Is this kid better off with Jodie Foster, even though she's not, you know, he's not using his full potential? Yada yada yada. There was right. a, we um, got to remember back then, early nineties. There was a market for those movies, searching for Bobby Fisher. Yeah, very, like that. Like, there right were, around there the same were, time. Yeah. yeah, there were yeah. movies like that, and it's not a bad movie, especially when it's for a directorial debut. It's like very assured. And I think it did well. I mean, she makes Home for the Holidays, I think, like three, four years later with Holly Hunter and Robert Downey Jr. Um, becomes great friends with Downey Jr. She's great friends with Downey Jr. She's great friends with Mel Gibson, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you got a sense that, that was too. Home, home for the Holidays was <laughs> Downey Jr. was deep in that. I mean, he, he speaks about, you know, only mildly knowing he was there, like the you know, kind of the Colin Farrell, Miami Vice thing of like he was – that was 95. He was really deep in it. But he's amazing in the movie. That movie, that's probably, I would say Home for the Holidays is her best directed movie. Huh. Probably. She's not in it. And it's a great, I think it's a great holiday movie. Um, it's. I think it's a Thanksgiving movie. It's a really, really, really nice movie. Holly Hunter's lovely in it. Anyway, when was your, what is your memories of Jodie? What's your, Katie, what's your first Jodie Foster? She's been around forever. I, you know, it's, I mean, the first one, the first movie that I saw her in where it kind of, landed for me was silence of the lambs right? sure sure but yeah. that is not my the first time i was aware of her was the accused okay because she yeah. was 88 yeah she was won her first oscar 87 I, I whatever yeah right i mean there, she yeah. was nominated she, did she win she yeah. won she yeah. won because she won for the accused and then three years later won for silence right no no no. did she win for silence yeah she won two oscars yeah that's oh. the whole thing because if you knew because the whole thing is she's great in the accused but if you knew she was going to make silence, you would have given it to Sigourney Weaver. Oh, ah, that's the right. Because Sigourney the Weaver right. was nominated twice that year for yeah. Grills in the Mist. Yeah. Great. Right. Yeah. Great performance and Working Girl. Right. And Sigourney has never won. That's and if you could go back in time. Yeah. Well, Jody's I don't think great. That Working Girl was Oscar worthy. I don't think no, 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 but I'm saying yeah, leading. Over- would be Grillas. Got you. So if you could give Copy. if you could give Sigourney the Oscar for Grills in the Mist, and then later and then give it to Jody, three years right, later Jody right, would right, get right, hers right. for Silence. You'd be like, look, we love the accused, but let's yeah. get you anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so that was my awareness because there was wow. something about like the the trail. I'd obviously seen trailers for that yeah. movie. Like I was alive in the world, but was a child and yeah. and 
I just remember there was like the the dark energy around that trailer really kind of mm. like buried itself in my brain. Like I remember there was a pinball table. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, I remember like Important I, had, again, table. I had never seen this movie. Oh, you still haven't? I still to this day have not seen yeah. this movie. It's not any, I mean, it's a very yeah, tough a lot. I bet it is. Yeah. I watched it for the first time in prep so for this. I, and it's, I was going to, and then I was like, maybe not. Maybe I'll watch something else. It's it isn't, here's the thing. It isn't, and I mean this with all due respect, it's not very good. Yeah, I agree. But it's, and we talk, we've talked about this before. It, it's weird because it's like, but it is important. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So like Jonathan Kaplan directed it. A very capable director has made interesting movies. Very like a workman, kind of a Hollywood guy, right? Yeah. Like Testance made a lot of TV. Yeah, I think he still might still be working actually. But The Accused is one of those movies. Her and Kelly McGillis. Um, it's, you know, Stanley Jaffe produced it. Who's like a legendary producer. Weirdly, I was listening to uh, Jodie Foster on Mark Marin from a couple of years ago. And she talks about how she actually doesn't love her performance in The Accused because she felt like the producer, like Stanley Jaffe and, and Jonathan Kaplan, like wanted different things out of her that she couldn't give them. Huh. But, but it's obviously celebrated um, performance and she won the Oscar. And it was it was a benchmark movie like it was a movie that was i mean she plays a working class woman you know who does drugs and is more promiscuous than maybe people would like to hear in the reagan 80s right the big part of the movie who gets basically gang raped at a bar yeah gets basically screwed over by her lawyer who's kelly mcgillis and then in a fit of guilt kelly mcgillis that same lawyer basically after letting the rapists go on a now, smaller she gets charge. Them, yeah, she gets them convicted on- On a smaller charge, charges that like, are there's not no raped, sexual basically. assault reference, yeah. which is a huge part of it. She then, she then tries all the people who let it happen in the bar. So that's what the second half of the movie is about. So it's like Got the it. accused is like, it's not just the people who did it, it's the people who right. let it happen, right? Which it's very, it, it's like, it's very hard to watch. And this sounds this can sound so incredibly sad, but like the optimism of the court system yeah, it's in the very movie, lofty. even in twenty twenty four, you're like, it, ah, I would say the like, only it's very, like it feels apocryphal. You know, the only benefit I think the movie has in terms of like holding up over time is like it. They go out of their way to check all the boxes off of like how our society treats rape culture. You know, like right. just what that right. is. That's the best. And it hits all like, those boxes pretty yeah. well. The problem is like the lengths that the movie goes to get there become ridiculous where you're like- Well, and all the men are like all the, so All the evil. men are literally have like rapists tattooed on their forehead. Right. Like that's how like evil the men are. And it's right. kind of this thing of like- you're yeah, like, and well, certainly we those aren't just the kind of guys that do something like well, that. I, yeah, like, and I think and that's my point of yeah. I don't know that it's a great film, but certainly if you can draw a line to like, and there's look all these, it's you know people have a lot of problems with something like Promising Young Woman too. So there's, there's I, I was Promising Young Woman was the thing in my brain. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that they had kind of that same problem for a lot of it, where most of the men were just like so awful. But yeah. they try to check off the Bo Burnham thing. Yeah, the, right. Bo, so, Bo Burnham was was the exception. Right. I, so my point being, yeah. Promising a woman's not a perfect movie either, but like the Bo Burnham character would never exist in The Accused. Yes. Exactly. So if you're trying to make some optimistic silver lining, art art is in perfect line of like how we're progressing and understanding something that you could do that. So certainly if you're talking about important art and stuff, that it's good it exists and, and it is a good performance. It's interesting she didn't 
she has but i think also the thing about jody and we and we can go back to bugsy malone is like she's very frank and open about her career if you yeah. watch her in interviews yeah and one of the things i really like about her is she's i mean she it's been her whole life so she talks very frankly about like yeah it wasn't an easy business but i did grow up in it and i do have a lot of good memories and it was very problematic you know and it is better now but it wasn't all bad then and you're kind of like it, her Two things can be true at the same time. Yeah, she has a very right. holistic view of like. It's very yeah. interesting. Right. And, and has sometimes gotten her in hot water, probably unfairly, I, if I'm being honest, because she's one of those people where I'm like, who am I to question somebody who's been doing it since they were three? I have no concept of like, I don't know. I mean, so she's very, she's a, movies aside, she's a very smart, interesting person who's been around forever. So, and I think what's it, so. So you're okay. So you're saying the accused. What's funny for me is, as a kid, we watched Freaky Friday a lot, mm. the original. Yeah. Oh right. And she's I'm, the girl. She is the. And I did watch it I a lot. I think that. my mom really liked it, so we would get it from the library. So I don't know if I knew it was Jodie Foster, oh but my God, honestly, I totally forgot that, that was, was her. her big Disney movie. Holy it was cow. a hit. She's the girl. I definitely watched that. I watched it a lot. Yeah. I feel like my first might have been Maverick. Sure. Just because I feel like her and Mel, right? Her and like Mel, the, yeah. a lot of Mel. You know, <laughs> that movie, I had a fonder memory for it, uh, and I rewatched it, and it is not very good. Have you seen Maverick? I have seen Maverick, yeah. and I rewatched the trailer because I was sure. like, "Oh, right, she knows Mel from back then." Oh, and it's so not I very good. The trailer. Well, it it's not necessarily a bad time. It's that it doesn't actually feel entirely like a movie. It's and okay. I mean, it's based. Well, we on should a, say it's based on. It's based James on a TV Connor. show, so yeah. it does feel episodic. Like it does feel yeah, from a story true. standpoint, right. like mm. they're just doing different chunks, right? But also, there's an energy about the movie I don't kind of love, where it feels like Donner and Gibson and Blitzen and Rudolph and no, right. Uh, right, right. no, but it feels like Donner and Gibson got Warner Brothers to give them just a pile of money to make this, and movie. it was a big hit. And you can kind of see on, I mean, obviously Donner's behind the camera, but just the energy Gibson has on screen in the movie, though very charming, does feel like he's just kind of like, can you fucking believe they gave us all this money to just make this movie? So there, yeah, there's this right kind after. of like laid back quality to the movie that's like a little annoying kind of. You it's know, like, they had already made three lethal weapons. Yeah. So it's right. before Conspiracy the, like, Theory. There is a, it's before Lethal Weapon 4. There is a drawn out lethal oh, weapon oh, guy. I know. And I in my brain they play the music. Yes, and in my brain I remember it just being like one cute joke. And for no, the, no, for the like, listener, like there's a scene where sixty seconds. So Maverick is a western. It's based on an old TV show that was starring James Garner. James Garner's in the movie. Gibson plays Maverick in the movie. There's a scene where he's trying to get money that's owed to him from a bank, and the bank is getting robbed. And one of the robbers is Danny Glover, yeah. right? And, and he's it is got a, a bandit. It's a very funny bandit, cameo, uh, right? And they have a they moment. They like look at each other. Yeah, they have like, a Whoa. moment, and they have this and moment go, of recognition, and they and they play, and they the, like music. play the music. And he yeah. takes off his mask, and then they and both go, uh -uh. right? I think it's funny. It is no, it is funny, funny. But what you don't remember is it plays out for like a while. You're oh, yeah. like, oh, to the point where even the whole scene, Donner didn't make short movies, right? Right, and it plays out for well, a while, and then fucking what's Danny Glover? Leaves the bank is like getting on his horse. And um, what does he say? Of I'm course, too, I'm, too I'm too getting tall for this shit. Right? I did forget about that. And it's so it is that's, a little bit. You're like, okay, much. guys, like we 
But I mean, you gotta Get remember it. the nineties. <laughs> but I, but people Jody, did shit like that. Like they yeah. just had money to time. burn. I mean, they were just yeah. like, let's just make it. It just feels like everyone's aware of it in the movie. So I, I was a little annoyed that that said, yeah, Jody, very fun, great. Because the whole point with Jody is she, they, and they, in you'll, you'll correct me, but. It's a, it's a very classic Jody role where they introduce her as like the damsel right. and then right. quite quickly you learn not only is she not the damsel, she's a con woman who is quite clearly smarter at every turn than Brett Maverick until the very end. Yes, throughout the entire movie. It is very smart. I think it uses Jodie Foster well. I think Jodie has played roles that are not that. We can yeah. talk about like something like Flight Plan. Put, put, it, put, it, put, it, put a pin in that yeah. because yeah, I do feel like... <sighs> Going back and watching her in just the romantic lead or the wife or the whatever and stuff, like, you know, I forget that she wasn't out for most of her career. Yes. Right? right. And so and so when you go back and you look at all that stuff and you're like, wow, they were really trying to put you in a box that did not fit. Sure. But I right. think that Maverick was kind of an exception because the chemistry they have, which she's she like, has very people, good chemistry with Mel Gibson, great yeah, chemistry great. with Mel Gibson in that. And it's like, that's nice to see, especially in that time period. Mm, sure. It was, you know, um, I was, I was talking to my husband about this, um, who has been on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking, we were talking about how like part of what works with her against like Lecter and Silence of the Lambs is that she has these. She has these moments of like intimacy, you know, like an intimate relationship without it being sexual. Mm-hmm. And it's like those feel really, mm. those feel really like strong. And then when you start to shove her into the kind of ingenue box, it just doesn't fit right. It, feel, it feels weird. You well, know, and, and I was like, that I must mean, be. Our second movie, Catch Fire slash Backtrack, there's a little <laughs> bit of that, the, oh, you indeed. know, with, with Mr. Hopper, which anyway, that was a fraught set. So we can start. So, yeah. So Bugsy Malone, Alan Parker's first movie, first feature. Um, a big music video guy does a lot of Pink Floyd stuff. Ultimately, made the Wall. Alan Parker, comics director, made stuff like uh, Mississippi Burning, Avita. Right, the made a lot of movies. The which commitments, was my which is, favorite. Alan which is Parker a good movie. Back in the yeah, day. right. I, I always forget about the commitments. And his last movie, uh, a truly problematic movie, The Life of David Gale. Uh, wow, wow. Cursed Kevin film. Spacey and uh, oh boy, woo! Kate Winslet. That movie is a bad. <laughs> that is a bad movie. Capital B. Anyway. Alan Parker, first movie, Bugs Malone. Famously gangster picture, but check it out. They're, all the characters are played by kids. They're all played by kids. <laughs> Except for when they sing. And oh, when they yeah. sing, it is adults. Now let me just and I think there's, I think the there's one kid my, who sings. Like, I, I think there's one the girl that they don't I, dub I over. Hated but. This, I hated this movie. <laughs> oh my God. With such a deep, Dan, for, deep for, hate. You are such an easy grader usually. And I'm telling I you, this movie was so maybe. This, Did you love it? I well look. I watched I it with my thirteen-year-old. Oh, I watched it yeah. with my thirteen-year-old, and if you do that, it is a different experience. We had a I'm blast. So happy sure, we had such a blast. I did not yeah. remember this movie existed. I'd never heard of it. Sure. You said, "Hey, let's do Bugsy Malone." I was like, Scott the what? Is the Scott Bayo is Bugsy. the kid. What I liked about it is it had the energy of a high school musical and i don't mean sure. like high school musical the movie no, i mean right. like a, a high, high school, school musical yes. like yeah. i was in oliver when i was like yes. 15 oh, and it, pl- i was in oliver oh who? i was nancy oh i was the artful dodger <laughs> oh that's a good part for you i, like, I love that <laughs> uh, most of our our artful dodger I was played by a lady because that's how you did it like sure, all the girls yeah. wanted to be our like, oliver was a lady i believe our yeah. oliver was also a lady yeah. but so <laughs> but that's what this, this is movie. Well, the high school you, high school rendition of Oliver podcast. Oh 
<laughs> I could probably still pull out it uh, as long as he God, needs I know Connor could. But I'm trying to think oh about my God. Uh, this is, and that is if what fella emails <laughs> introduces you. Anyway, um, go but, but that's what this whole movie felt like. Like the kids, Ugh. you could tell the kids that were pros. Like Jody's a pro. Yes. Oh, Scott Jody. Mayo, I don't know where they, I, this was his first thing. But I he think definitely, it was, yeah. He definitely, you could tell like, oh, that kid is going to be in front of a camera. He has, you know, he he has, has a, a sparkle to him. Charisma certainly. would be the word. Yeah, He's charismatic. charismatic. Yeah. Certainly he does. I'm talking about kind of basic things though, like finding your, like knowing where the camera is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing how to cheat to it. Yeah. Jody certainly it so feels can, yeah. above and beyond. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Film. She feels like she, yeah, she's, right. she nails the part. Like, the like she's kind of playing big. a gangster's mall and really like selling it, which is yeah. like yes. crazy. And this is right before Taxi Driver, right? Right. So. And, but it's, it, but a lot of those kids were just like, they shot in London. And most but of them are British. Yeah, right. but it was supposed to be these like, Set in New York. Yeah, it's like kind just of? set in Fake Chicago gangster or New York. Town. Fake yeah. gangster wherever, town. Wherever bugs you, you right? Know, Gotham or whatever. Thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, to, but so you have a bunch of British children trying to pull off that like yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. hoodlum accent. And this is the same. Sorry, very just to clarify, success. This is the same year as Taxi Driver. Now, yeah. yes. Who's to? I, I think don't she know. shot it before. Yeah, she, she might have shot. I'm it almost before. positive. Yeah. I don't yes. know why anyone would do this. In their first set film. in New York City, just to say, it's, set in New York. City. You said this is Alan Parker's first film. This is his first feature film. The, yeah, it, I don't know why anybody would choose to do this. As well, first it wasn't feature so film. hard. Parker yeah. was. I think I don't want to. I don't know enough about Alan Parker, but I think Parker was a very. If you look at his filmography, he was a very kind of envelope pushing guy, like the wall. Right. He yeah, was right, always making right, things. Right, right. I mean, like, even the life of David Gale, his last movie, a abject disaster is 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 challenging the death penalty and like rape. Call. I mean, there's a lot in that movie. It is an app. I mean, it, I cannot overstate how misguided it is. But like even in that casting Madonna in Evita, right? Mississippi Burning, which has not aged amazingly. No, but it, at the time. But certainly, like, is challenging the idea of cops, right? It, it, right? 488, when it came out, was a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, a barn burner. Like, well, yeah. like, what? This is okay, okay. Got nominated for Oscars. So he's always been like that. So you can, it makes sense. I mean, the guy made Angel Heart, you know, cast Lisa Bonet as a, I mean, yeah, she was very sure. young, sexy, yeah. very explicit. That was very controversial, right? She was still on, I think, a different world, right? Like, so he's oh, all these movies. You Maybe The Commitments is maybe the only one, but even that movie, even that movie, it's like he took a band and made a movie. That even yeah. in the inception of that movie, like yeah. let's just go to Ireland and it's they play, and it worked so well. It's like he's always was doing stuff like that. So I think it makes sense when you look at his larger career. My thing of this is like it's almost the exact Katie your thing, but the opposite. It's like I have a three year old. I I think it was just I'm like I mean I'm gonna hate these plays when they're older. Like <laughs> having to go to all these plays, I gotta really prepare myself for like all of the performances and the because I just was watching this and I was like, this is interminable like it's just kids i don't know if it's being bad at their i think i kind of in the middle between the two of you because i didn't love this movie but i definitely my problem with this movie and obviously it's and i feel i'm sorry to the kids it's they're all they're all older they're all adults now all but one the guy who played the rival gangster uh died at like 30 i looked at oh no yeah oh i thought you were gonna make fun of his performance now no no like this point this yeah this young man did not make it to now most of the other one seemed to oh good okay but, Scott um, Bale now we don't have we don't know no they're thing. like we don't know him a damn thing 
No, no he doesn't. Absolutely. <laughs> no, he took a heel um, turn. But, but, but to your point, Bayo in this as the titular Bugsy Malone. Yes. Uh, yeah, Charming. you 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 understand that he'll be in other things. Like yes. he's just he has. And him and him and charisma. Jody have like two scenes right. that are probably the closest best thing to chemistry the movie has I very think, interesting sure. yeah. he he seems intimidated by her which i think is an appropriate direction because she's so bringing so much to the screen and yeah it, that's a fun element the best parts i thought were like those moments where it, there's this like they are kids where like yeah Bayo, when the, like when- Bayo's bugs malone is a boy intimidated by a smarter girl right. i was like oh that's cute i like that and then there, uh, no, I think I, mean, I think a couple kind of things might have made this movie more interesting. One is I think it would be funny if only the gangsters were kids. Um, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. And there were some adults. That, yes, like I, the cops. I think that would yeah, or like, or, like, or just the bar, if the bartender's an adult, oh, sure. or the patrons okay, are adults, like, or whatever. Like the but like if the mob or, boss yeah. and the gangsters mall and and you know whatever and all the lackeys, if they're just children, uh, I think. And granted, that is also maybe a piece of commentary and a joke that does not run the full length of a movie. But I think that at least adds like an extra layer of something to the movie, because I think the movie's biggest problem is it's it feels like it hedges a little. Well, like Jody is always regretful that she couldn't that she wanted to be able to sing. Sure. And they dubbed over all. But even outside of of that, it's that this it feels like a funnier die sketch. That was like a fake trailer for a movie and everyone watches it and everyone loves it. And then everyone's like, oh, my God, I would watch that whole movie. And spoiler alert, you wouldn't watch that whole movie. And that's kind of what this feels like, where it's like the gag works for like five minutes. You're like, this is kind of cute and clever. And it doesn't I don't think it really sustains throughout except for kind of to what you're talking about. Dan. there are these punctuated moments where you're like reminded they're children and you're like, "Ah, that's good. Like like. You'll see them driving around in cars, and it's not until there's like a car chase that's about to happen that you realize like the cars are pedal cars and they're driven by like right, that's cute. Like there's things like that that are like eh, clever, like that's fun. And I enjoyed the pedal cars. Yeah. And it should be said that this is a gangster movie where it starts with a gangland hit, but right. the guns fire. Pies, I'm, right? Yeah. Well, like it's cr- it, at first cream I pies, thought basically. It, yeah. At yeah. first I thought they were doing a spitball joke. Like I thought right. they were all spitballs. Yeah. And then later, but then later they had cream pies, and then you know, then they have like a big melee of a fight, and it's it's definitely cream. Right. It's so like yeah. cream. So getting, it's whipped cream. It's whipped cream. Yeah. So it's whipped cream assassins. Yes. And through two thirds of the movie, they play it very serious. Where if you get hit in the face with you're dead, you're, the, dead. you're dead. Yeah. But then they have like they have kind of a big shootout where everybody gets yes. the cream in the face. So they're they're covered and it's it's a food yeah. fight. Yeah. And then they're like, no, just kidding. So it's like, so well, that feels like you bailed yeah. on your yeah. idea. Well, that's a little bit too of it. And or, not, not yeah, to get I, dark, but Dan, you and I were talking about this. Like, there like, is you're maybe do a version. You should of, just shoot the kids. That's yeah. Like, you're gonna there do is it. maybe a version of this movie where it feels more insane now, and more I do provocative think if, if, the viol- if the violence think, is photo. I do think that was like, a discussion with ooh, the studio. I wouldn't like that. I don't think I don't think anybody would have. To no. be clear, I do think like, it was. A, I do think when they were developing it, it was a, obviously a discussion with Parker in the studio where it was like, "We cannot do that." Children. I understand. Yeah. I just think what's hard about movies like this is it. You are in the world of kitsch, right? That's just what you're doing. Yes, you are making a cute thing and i think you just run into the wall of what is your cute meter like how yeah, much of it sure. are are you willing to 
get into it. I will not. say, right? that's, you, you that, get a baby, I think it's as simple as a baby that. Dexter Fletcher in this movie as yes, a kid named Babyface, right. which yes. is a very funny gag. That little beat at the talented at, actor, near, near director, yeah. Dexter I, and what's funny that is that was surprising. You can director kind of, of Ghosted. Yeah, the Apple TV Plus action and ghost director of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, which mileage may vary. Once again, a lot of kitsch in that. A lot of kitsch in that one. Certainly, certainly. But he has a little gag in the movie near the end that I do actually think works and is pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, hate's a strong word. Let me say, I just my point is simply, I did not respond to the picture. Fair. I'll just say I did not respond to the picture. Yeah, I I, I kind of super responded to it because it was just kind of insane enough to like, I I get what you're saying that the the gag doesn't sustain itself on its own. Yeah. But to me, they kept finding places to make it more absurd. And so Mm. it was like, oh, like sometimes it was just like, here's like they have this small child towards the beginning who he's he's a he's a janitor who wants to be a tap dancer. And when this small child and he is a short child like maybe 10 but yeah, looks eight or whatever boy, yeah. little boy and then he gets his little tap shoes out and he has his i wish song mm. and it's like tomorrow <laughs> like it's tomorrow <laughs> never comes right. and i was like yeah. what is happening it was like and there's a ballet dancer that does a little number with it like uh-huh. it's like that their flights of fancy i was just not ready for those sure. levels of things and i i don't know maybe <laughs> Maybe like if you've ever directed children of that age, sure. Like I can see, I just know how hard the set was. Oh yeah, well that's been, we were talking you, about. Absolutely impossible. I'm not going to go through like oh my God. IMDb Managing trivia the, for the, the listener, but you can. Let there's alone the a kids. lot. There's a lot on the internet. You could just Google about this movie in terms of like what it was like getting made, all the factions that the kids formed, and they would like you know the cliques and whatever oh factions. God. Like, but, like think like, about the show. His parents. Like, oh. I mean, God knows that's changed, and maybe it was a little bit easier back then. But you know you're having I mean, how many conversations did the AD have to have with the any manner every of mother pair, who pair. was on the set yeah. or, or yeah. Him? did you have to close the set? Or I guess the, the child labor laws are probably different and more lax back then. So, I mean, yeah. that's an element of it's it. It's also shot like, in the UK. I don't right, know what don't the situation know. is. Right, there. Right. Certainly, right. certainly the union stuff and I even think back then were – they they get more breaks and shorter hours. So sure. when you make movies there, there is more of a kind of established work day. Um, but like for children, I don't know. I mean, and all the way back then, I don't know. Yeah. He, here here's one thing I was like to to the like Jody of it all though. Yes. Uh-huh. I will, Bring it back. I will say watching this, like there's some shot, you know, and of course, because she's the gangster's mom, yeah. her name is Tulula. That's her little character, and she has this blue eyeshadow right, and very up. made up and stuff. And it is very funny to think about this movie and Taxi Driver coming out so close together. I think Taxi Driver came out first, but yes. I'm not sure which one it's, shot first. It's certainly listed first in her, in her filmography right. that year, but yeah. So to think that your like big jump to fame fame is playing this very young prostitute in a yeah. very adult world. Yeah. And then to contrast it, you have you're playing somebody around a bunch of kids in this incredibly safe space. I don't know if it was actually safe behind the scenes, but like yeah. the world, the yeah. world of the movie is a much safer space where all of the violence is yes. cream pies. Can hurt. Yeah, and there's driver. no older man yeah. anywhere. You know, you're 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 opposite Scott Bayo. Like that kid's right. not gonna do anything. You yeah. Know? Right. So, so like there was there was something about like watching it as like the the tails to the heads of uh sure you know it's the other side of the coin and um and there 
something about the innocence of that really just kind of struck me in a particular way. Um, yeah, no, that's 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 definitely well said. This, so, Taxi Driver came out February '76. And Bugsy came out September '76. So, right. Yeah. So certainly, maybe maybe she did shoot Taxi Driver first because then they, like I said, they shot this in England and um, it did okay. I don't think you'd call it a success, but certainly became a cult movie. And there are plenty of directors now who really do, do love it and regard it. Freaky Freaky Friday was that same year too, which is worth noting. So she like really like wow was popping popped off. And Freaky Friday was a hit. Yeah. Um, so that was a big year for her. And then, yeah, I mean, kind of right after that, she really, you know, she's in stuff like Foxes, Carney, the whole, and then there's a bit of a break. She makes the Hotel New Hampshire, the Tony Richardson movie based on the, uh, the uh, John Irving book, which I, I did watch for the first time a couple of days ago. That's like a really step up in aging. Like Rob Lowe. Her and Rob Lowe are siblings. They mm. have like an incestuous thing. You know, it's a John Irving book, you know. Yeah. Get so a, you get a little, shit's going to go down. You're going to get a little stuff like that. And it's like the Hotel New Hampshire. It's a family epic. If you've ever read an Irving book, it's like Irving. The book came out in 81 and they like made it into a movie because I uh. think World According to Garp came out in 82, the movie, which was a hit. It was like a big breakout for Robin Williams. So I think the Hotel New Hampshire was kind of made off of the steam of World According to Garb. That one, Hotel New Hampshire did not do well, but it was well-reviewed and is okay. I mean, you know, all of Irving's film adaptations, I always find interesting because it's like, I don't know that any of them are bad, but they're all, his books are so dense. It's that thing of like, people say that this movie is the closest to the book because it's been Garp, New... Hotel New Hampshire, Cider House Rules, Prayer for Meanie, Simon Birch, Prayer for Meanie, which yeah. that's the furthest away from the book. Right. That's they kind of change a lot, even his name. And then um, ba 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 ba. And then my favorite, without a doubt, is the first part of A Widow for One Year. Is the beginning is the is the concept for the door in the floor. Mm. Well, is right. an, I think yeah. like a masterpiece yeah. movie. I love that movie. But anyway, interesting. So she's in that. She's good in it. Very spunky, older performance. She's a late teenager at that point. And then there's not a lot. Like she does go to college, which at the time was a big deal. Yeah, right? she went to Yale, right? Went to Yale. You know, you'll see people like Natalie Portman and Claire Danes do that kind of in her footsteps. But when she did it, and she's talked about this, it was very like, you're going to throw your career away. Like, what are you doing? You're going to college? You're a star. And then she comes back and she does stuff in the in the late, 80s early 90s like the accused obviously silence of the lambs little man tate she has a nice little moment in shadows and fog but in that in the midst of that she makes um this movie called catch fire aka backtrack <laughs> directed by dennis hopper we wow. glossed over it somewhere in there there's a john hinckley jr as well oh yeah, that's well. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. No, I, we don't have to go on a full no, 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 about just, it just if google, google it. it if you didn't yeah. hear about it but it's real messed up currently not in prison playing music john john hinckley <laughs> Um, which is interesting. Um, Wild. Ba, 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 ba. Anyway, so Dennis Hopper, Dennis Hopper, who obviously been around for a long time at that point, directed Easy Rider, then immediately followed up with the last movie, which was this kind of famous debacle that now is people have kind of taken it back. Have you ever seen the last movie? His second movie? No, you ever I'm seen the last not. movie? No. It's, uh, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's an insane, uh, it's crazy. It's Did like it just a, get a restoration? Yeah, it's yeah. definitely, it's in that, it's in that, that zone of like, let's reclaim this. This is good. And I, 
I don't know that I'll ever get there with that one, but I do get why. And then he, you know, Hopper went on to make, he made Colors with Robert Duvall. Oh my God. And uh, Sean Penn, but they're cops. I believe they're father and son. That movie's interesting. Um, you know, so he made interesting movies as a director. And then we get to this movie and it was a certainly a troubled production. Um, it's a crazy movie. Do we want to, does somebody want to take a shot at the plot? I look, it's my fault. So I, I was the one who picked <laughs> I it. So. Here's the thing. I, I mean, we were kind of texting about it. I am certainly glad I saw it. Yeah, it's. I don't think this movie is good, but I would recommend it to people. It's such yes. a wild I, movie. I, yeah. Just to be clear, and I, but to listener, it is on Tubi. Yeah, uh, if you want to, and check it really it out. does fit into the it, late '80s Bob. I mean, and we'll talk about it. The Bob Dylan moment. Bob Dylan at this point <laughs> the in Bob Dylan he, chainsaw. Well, no, he was making moment. movies. Yeah, he was <laughs> yeah. making a movies, and yeah. he's in this movie for a minute. And this is in that weird period he was making stuff. The it's a relatively simple plot, um, basically. Yes. Yeah. Theoret theoretically. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> basically, uh, Jody is. Uh, a an artist, a conceptual artist. Yes, concept. Thank you. Uh, and she works primarily in like digital banner signs. So like, I mean, not like what you would see today, listener. This is more like what you would see on the top of like a bodega that says they have soda and candy. Yeah, like, and like beer. the little like marquees. The, yes, the, the little, little scrolling marquees. LED things that you'll see. Um, is sort of what she makes her art out of, and she just through complete kind of happenstance winds up witnessing a mob hit that happens at this refinery. Yeah, her car breaks um, down, right? Car, her yeah. car breaks down. Yeah. And you know how your car breaks uh, down and you, and you watch a mob hit? And you get a little <laughs> you, know you, you get some surprise Joe Pesci as a treat. Uh, uncredited, 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 a lot of uncredited which is, cam. Oh my yes. God, which is, I didn't even check the credits. I should yeah, have. No, yeah, he's no, he's called all but his he's buds. in it like he is a major. That's, that's why I say that's why I say surprise. It's not like he just popped up in a cameo. It's like he's not credited, so you're not expecting him. And then you're like, oh, is that is that Joe Pesci? And then every scene he pops up, you're like, oh, he's like still in this movie. Yeah, they um, give him some gray hair that I don't think he had. Like, no, like it, I, I think they they're kind of putting him. it on a little bit. So yeah. weird. Very strange. So Joe Pesci's a mobster, if you can believe it. And <laughs> uh, also working alongside uh, Dean Stockwell. Right. This, and this, also surprised Dean Stockwell. He had just had a huge comeback with Married to the Mob. Yes. Got the Oscar nomination. Um, so, he, you know, he was a child actor. Right? Yes. So he, uh, he, correct. Dean Stockwell. This was a big moment for Dean. Yes. Blue Velvet. Married to the Mob. Where is this in relation to um, Paris, Texas? Right. He's in Paris, Texas. Yeah. Uh, that was, I think, 85. Okay. Or 84, maybe, in Paris, Texas. So he's on so, yeah. kind of just a, a general that was the role. First, yeah. Paris, Texas was, oh, oh, remember Dean Stockwell? Well, he's yeah, great okay. in Paris. And then he yeah. you know, proceeded to be So he's in this as well. And basically, uh, they send Dennis Hopper to kill Jody because she gets away. And that's right. basically he's a it. Man. And along the way, Dennis Hopper, who usually... Like, this is uh, well. I'll come back to this in a second. But Dennis Hopper basically falls in love with Jodie Foster, becomes yep. like obsessed with her, mm -hmm. and essentially kidnaps her. And it turns into this kind of Stockholm syndrome situation, basically. One hundred. Where they are then on the run. And I, I think the big bummer of this movie is I think I can very clearly see some easy avenues it can take to like course correct. 
Right. And it doesn't take them, which is kind of a, well, a bummer. But that's basically the movie. They essentially yeah, fall in love true. and they're trying to get away. And, you know, it all comes to a head when they have to get the guys who are trying to get them. And that's that's basically it. Uh, with some insane things like a giant helicopter chase in the middle, yeah. and the, which I was kind of impressed by. I sort of was like, what was the budget of this picture? Yeah. Um, very, very wild. I, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's worth watching mainly again, because like we're talking about, there are all these people that pop up where you're just like what is this movie clearly hopper's like calling in favors of, right. and like people who know people charlie sheen plays her boyfriend for one scene for, yeah. and i believe yeah. and Which, i believe in hopper's cut he charlie sheen's in way more oh because oh. so there was there's a 99 minute cut and a cut with about 15 more minutes and i think i want to i want to say i'm looking at it right now i i think it was released as yeah it was released as Catch Fire, and then his preferred title was Backtrack. And it, back, Both terrible titles. Not Both great. Both awful titles. And, yeah. and don't really make sense in the context of the that's what, movie. Yeah, that's why yeah. I yeah. bad. Like, I think they would be fine for whatever, like, pulpy noir titles or whatever, but, like, don't... Or, like, VOD action yes, movie right. titles. I but literally they, think there's they, a movie called Backtrack with Matthew Modine that sure. you can watch on Netflix right now. <laughs> but, but Backtrack, which is his director's cut, runs 18... I'm reading off Wikipedia. Runs 18 minutes longer. I can't imagine those 18 minutes are things I would need to see. I don't need, I didn't need any more Charlie Sheen in this than was there. Yeah, it was sure. kind of, he's there. as it is, it's kind of very efficient. You know, he's the boyfriend. She is not interested because her response to seeing a mob hit is to go to sleep for 10 hours. Yeah, like that's, a very long that's time. her reaction. Yeah. She's like, I need to rest. And then like, Look, she's, an catches, artist, you know? she's an artist, you know, she's an artist. Like it's, it's just very funny. I, yeah, this movie isn't good and I definitely enjoyed it. Yes, I and, had a good time yeah. watching it for and sure. The thing, so things that I enjoy, <laughs> I like John Turturro kind of walks away with the movie as, oh, right. as a yes. young I, gangster yes. who's fucking up because yeah. he is one of the original people who's trying, like, he tries to kill her, kills the boyfriend early. I don't think yes. this is too bad of a spoiler, but no, like, no. but basically because he's a screw up, they have to hire, they have to call in the big guns. They have to get Milo, who is, right, who is Dennis, Dennis Hopper. Hopper yes. And Dennis Hopper is the specialist. And he's like, the reason he's a specialist is because he goes deep and he researches these people. He learns all about their lives. He knows more about them than they know about themselves. Right. And so like, meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, like, like the cops who are trying to find her so she can testify Fred Ward. led by Fred Ward. Yeah. They're always just like a half step behind. Like if the, if they get mobsters are close to her, the police are one half step yeah. less close, yeah, but they are away. right along yeah, with them. Yeah, and just yeah. keep missing her, keep missing her. Like to me, it seems like Dennis Hopper knows how to make a movie. Yes. He's been in a bunch of movies, but this one feels like, he got like the shape of a movie and did not understand any of the actual plot connective tissue. You need to go from one scene to the other. Yes. So there yeah. are huge leaps in logic, certain places like she doesn't want to be in wit sec, which makes sense. But then she essentially puts herself in wit sec. Like she doesn't want to give up her life because she's a successful yeah. artist. So what does she do? She goes into hiding, takes on a new name and a new persona <laughs> right. she and does. a new career. She does all of the things that they would have her do only with none of the police protection or money. Right. right. So right. it doesn't make any sense. She's she like, like oh, makes like, the worst choice. She makes definitely. the worst choice. She yeah. definitely like runs off. I guess. I don't know. I can't remember, but I feel like there's some suggestion of like, it'll be temporary, which maybe is why she does it. I can't really, I'm going to be giving too it much credit to the, I mean, no, I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying, I, yeah. I, I, I feel 
think you're correct in thinking that is the assumption, but there is no reason for her to think that. And And so we should say this wasn't a great production. Jodie Foster and Dennis Hopper did not get along a Really, you, know, you, can, you can feel see it. it. Yeah, you oh, can, you can definitely. It's pretty feel well it. documented. Um, yeah, and it works when they're adversarial. Like it's not right. necessarily hurting the movie immediately, but then when they are supposed to be falling in love, you're like, ah, this feels insane. <laughs> so yeah, this feels super. I had wrong. to. I mean, no pun intended. I had to backtrack a couple times because I was like, I'm sure I missed a scene. Like I was like, I'm sure I missed. Something where Jody's actually lying the whole time and she's like pulling one over on him and pretending to be in love with him. Something right. like that. I had to scrub back like a couple times and I was like, no, this is, I no. guess, just the decision the movie's making. And it feels very, um, it just feels insane. Yeah. So just to, so anyway, so there, and I'll link to this. There's a Charlie Rose episode from 1996. Nothing wrong with that guy. Nothing wrong with Charlie. No. Yeah. <laughs> Patricia Schroeder, Dennis Hopper, Brian Singer on this episode. Nothing so, wrong with that guy either. Wow. wow. Let's oh talk about that for a minute. Wow. And so anyway, uh, very, our cool, was made normal, by monsters, yeah, so anyway, very cool normal episode in 1996. And in, in, in this episode, um, Hopper is on and he reflects on Catch Fire. And this quote, this is this quote is in the Wikipedia of the movie, but I think it's also in the episode. I'll link to the episode. He talks openly about the problem they had on set and how it lost him Meryl Streep for a movie he hadn't prepped. And so the quote that's on Wiki is, Hopper says, it blew what I thought at the time was a go project a few years ago because Meryl suddenly said no. Foster thought I had this uh, AA mentality where I was really just doing this sober, this sober drunk or something. And I just couldn't possibly understand women but she didn't say that or confront me with that on set. So I didn't know where that was coming from because I thought I treated her rather well. And this is in reference to basically Jody has warned Meryl not to work with Dennis Hopper and Meryl allegedly dropped out of this project. That's super tracks. I, yeah. you know? I watch that and like, Oh no, they, I yeah. don't think I want to work with Dennis. Like, I know he's dead, but like, yeah. but like if I saw that movie, be like, I don't think I want to work with sure. that guy. Like that's yeah. weird. weird and look, weird he's a complicated guy who, he complicated. who has plenty, you know, you can look at hearts of darkness, the apocalypse now documentary, the French sure. that uh, George Hickenlooper made, you know, footage that Coppola's wife shot where like, he, you know, look, he was a guy who got really into counterculture and then he kind of came out of it a Republican. I mean, he was deeply conservative in the last couple of decades of his life, kind of the living example of when you get older, right? you hold right. the money closer to your chest and you get mad that you got to pay taxes. I mean, he really was that type of a guy. So he's an interesting guy. He's very American. Say that. Mm-hmm. And he, um, and I think he had a way of doing things that as as time went on, it became less, you know, less appropriate, frankly. And I think Jodie Foster had been in that world for a long time, but grew up with it. And like, I think there were certain moments where if she didn't want to do something, she would yell cut. She wasn't the director. I think right. that really pissed Dennis Hopper off. So I think that a lot of that happened. And then, you know, the movie ended up kind of getting taken away from Hopper. He didn't have final cut. You know, they cut it to 99 minutes. They retitled it. You know, I think he tried to take his name off the movie, you know, this was not uncommon back then. It's less common now. You know, there's a lot more kind of arbitration that happens kind of now uh, that prevents the Alan Smithy thing. But, right. 
Yeah, it was a movie that barely really came out. And now it's, you know, just a 2B movie and an interesting curio. And a lot of people do like it. And I think Jody, I would love to know Jody Jody Foster's thoughts on it. I don't think anyone's asked her about it. I would no. be very curious. I, 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 all of it comes down to this one scene that's supposed to be kind of, to me, comes down to the turn, like, it's supposed to be her character's turning point from she is a captive. Because basically, like, Dennis Hopper has been following her. He's been learning about her. He's been chasing her. He's, like, figured out where she is, all this stuff. Like, there's a moment where he gets her in a chokehold, like, in yeah. a mini golf course thing. Right, yeah. Like, like that, the, it was like, yeah. how did he now, know that she was going to hide in that particular mini golf thing? Like, that seems very silly. really crazy chokehold somebody? Right. Like, yeah. Mini golf, it gets a little yeah. wild. So, and then she gets away because she kicks in the balls. Super. And then later, yeah, right, like, right, right. he basically tracks her down in her bedroom in this new place she's relocated to and he gives her a choice he's like i could kill you right now or i'll let you live but you belong to me like i own you i yeah, own you it, yeah, yeah. and what a horrible choice and yeah. obviously she's like i'd like to live she plays it very straight like this is the choice i've been given but then later like it seems like she's been kind of encouraged to keep it playful so where you have the situation that makes sense. Like she's a captive in his car. She is not a willing participant. You're trying to survive. But it's yeah. kind of played kind of like cute petulant. And yeah. I'm like, that doesn't feel like the right energy at all. No, no. And then like, and then they have a scene where he makes her kind of do a strip tease or like dress up for her yeah. run stockings. And she's like, you men have no imagination. Like, really? You like this? You like this? Yeah. And like, she puts on these stockings. She's like, yeah, whatever. And ex explicitly in the context of the movie too, like that's because he finds a photo that she took of herself or maybe like Charlie Sheen took of her right. or something he like that. Finds of like her a, wearing like yes. black lingerie and stuff like that. Yes. And he finds that lingerie and like makes her put it on, right? Right. And Creepy. I do think there are like <laughs> psychosexual things there that are not uninteresting if the movie is willing to like unpack them properly <laughs> yeah but like it's not that kind of movie you know like you know there's another version of this movie where he catches up with her and basically the end of the first act yes and right. the second act is their car trip together where like you're watching this relationship like turn into whatever it's going to turn into it could go to dark places gross places interesting places like there's a lot of stuff that you could go but so much of it is just like these two different agencies the mob and the police trying to find her yeah. and like, and so, so much of it is just the chase and nobody's really doing it well. Yeah. And then inexplicably somebody's like, aha, I found it. I found her, you know? And like, yeah. it's so, so much of that time is wasted that they have to make her turn around too fast. Yeah. Just way too fast. And you're almost assuming she's going to turn on him and it's yes. play acting, yes. and then that never happens. That's one of the two avenues I think the movie could have very easily taken to like and look, a, I, alleviate and I would a lot be of here for that. One. Yeah, it well, would, yeah, it would, sure. yes, I, yeah, I agree. I do appreciate it doesn't do that because that's, the, I guess, the obvious thing. And yeah. I don't think any of us watched his cut. Maybe there's more explanation of the psychosexual. Maybe there's more there. But certainly... It's just, it doesn't quite work. It kind of brings it to what we were saying before of like, I think Jody here is playing dumber than she maybe is, than she projects. I think it's hard for smart people to play dumb people. <laughs> I think Jody's an incredible actress, but it doesn't really work. The casting doesn't really fit Hopper's a curio in his own right. It's a weird performance. It feels kind of stagey and not quite he's like there. trying to, it, it's, feel, it's, it feels like he's trying to it's a do mess a, i mean it's a mess. it feels like he's trying to do a little bit of like 
an intentional movie gangster thing as like commentary co- yeah, but, yeah. And, but even as just a comedic bit like it feels like he thinks the movie is funnier than it is and i think if he was if even because you could even do the very easy narrative choice of like when hopper finds her get rid of him doing the whole creepy like i own you now thing and instead just have Totoro find her first hopper kills Totoro. He saves Jody's life and that at least like ingratiates him to her in a way that like, yeah, I don't want like to be with me. you, but you did just save my yeah, life. So at least me, I yeah. know you're going to like, you, you don't want to kill me. Right. Like, right. That's at least, that's a way easier path for me to at least, cause you know, tons of movies do that. Right. Sure. So like, that's, an, I feel, feel like a way easier narrative decision that the movie doesn't take. And, and, but I think that's what Hopper thinks the movie is. Like, I think right. he thinks he's almost making like a, this is before it, but like, I think he thinks he's making like a gross point blank E kind of thing, like a kind yeah, something of, more playful yeah. than what it comes off as. Yeah. Well, parts of the scene, I do feel like all the Joe Pesci scenes, like the, all the mobsters together are in a totally different movie. Yes. But that yeah. movie is also probably more fun than the movie the Jodie Foster is yes. trapped in. Yes. Because like, they're they're like, there's some banter and like, you know, there's some like, oh, what are you, you know, like like the dumb mobster and Joe Pesci's like, I'm surrounded by idiots. You yeah, know? yeah, like, right. like that, they play that all a lot lighter. Like, you know, his wife is worried that they're going to stay in the couch. Like, it's just yes. playful yeah. and fun. And even, and even and Fred, I, and even the Fred Fred Ward is doing that. Fred Ward's getting yes. a very Fred Ward. I mean, very to eleven, very kind of intense but playful, as Fred Ward would often do. And I think you're not wrong. It's very yeah. It's disjointed. I, you know, it's interesting. I think easy to recommend just because it's not long, and you're certainly going to be like, wow, what a strange. And we did film. mention Bob Dylan shows up as a chainsaw. I'm, I'm almost sorry that you gave that away if you're encouraging people to see it because I, my jaw was on the floor. But to, like my favorite two parts of this entire thing, besides John Tortura, which is just a delight because he's, he's just in like, yeah. like, like, um, like stooge mode, like yes. prime stooge yeah. mode. It's yeah. very funny. But like the lady that gives Jodie Foster her wig, where she like oh, Jodie Foster at some point is like running scene. away from the mobster that's that's come up to the police station is obviously gonna kill her so she buys this wig and this coat off this lady and she's like it's gonna have to be fifty dollars and i was like okay <laughs> that little, like little things like that is what makes this movie more than just like a grim uh quasi psychosexual exercise she's like i need five dollars for the bus can it be 40 or that, yeah, that no, was the, good good exchange it yeah. was a great exchange yeah. and the other one is katherine keener pops up yes. for a hot second the trucker's the truckers i believe the truckers girl yeah. and like and trucker's they, girl yeah and 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 it, she is part of the reason that dennis hopper at all are able Catch to track her, her down yeah. because the trucker like makes her mail it yeah yeah whatever States. i don't yeah, yeah. i don't want to get out leave that for the people who decide to watch backtrack but it's a lovely like minute and a half scene yeah. 90 yeah, second keener. scene it's it's great yeah our young keener's always great she's so great in um uh living in oblivion sure. she's great in the seinfeld episode like she really was before she became you know but probably being john malkovich Catherine keener where it really she's gone on to this incredible career she was always really like even in two minutes really kind of being amazing because yeah anyway living in oblivion there's also a little great. bit of jodie foster i guess as we move forward there's some career foreshadowing here because there is a sequence where she is, there is a scene where she is very concerned about a lamb uh, <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. Goat. Or, it was a goat. Is it a goat? It's a it's baby a goat. Don't they say lamb? In the I movie? thought it was a baby oh. sheep. 
no? Mm, I might have to or check regardless. myself. Either way, regardless. Either way, close enough. Feels, a farm animal. She and, cares a lot about it. And and what, and it, what does she move on to right after? Silence yeah. and the Lynch. Well, so, true. So, so we should say, so what's interesting is, you know, the accused, which came out right before, does well, kind of along with the acclaim and the Oscar. Catch Fire barely comes out. But then, really, the 90s, like we talked about, it's kind of like it's a crazy run of like Jodie Foster was one of the biggest movie stars of the 90s. Silence yeah. of the Lambs, Summersby, which is a remake of The Return of Martin Guerre, oh God, I forgot which did really Sims. well. Her and yeah. Richard Gere, not a well-reviewed movie, but certainly a big movie. Um, which is an interesting movie. I, I like it's it okay. I think, a little yeah. bit more than you. That's yeah, Julie right. special for the listeners. Um, she does Maverick and Nell in the same year. She gets another Oscar nomination for Nell. Nell, not a huge hit, but like a cultural hit. Like people yes. still remember Nell. Absolutely. With her and Liam Neeson. I believe that's Michael Apted. Funny enough, Michael Apted directed Girls in the Mist. So that's funny. Uh. And then she takes a little break. Uh, and then Contact comes out. She's Ellie Arroway. She has said in recent interviews, she's doing a lot of press for Nyad slash True Detective Night Country. Yeah. That the character she probably is most like in real life. I believe she told this to Kelly Clarkson is Ellie Arroway in contact, which I makes sense. I believe that. Ellie Arroway is like a genius that. scientist. You know, Jodie Foster, very famously smart. And in The King, two years later, a <laughs> real world rendering of The King and I, where she plays the the real Anna uh, Leon Owens, who is yeah. a real person who went to... The Nation of Siam, which is now Thailand. So I watched and this movie yesterday. I watched it as well. Yeah. Watched we don't have to really talk it about it. Could have been a B-side. Could have. Probably we'll... should have been a B-side. <laughs> wow. It's not a very good picture. Well, I don't think. certainly not, but lavish. Yes. Yes. Very, like a movie where like, Nothing you did. could never to... make this movie now. I, 1999, yeah. I spent the whole movie being like, if you even greenlit Anna the King, just like, the extras like you're just yeah. watching this movie like oh my it is. god it's these a are very, locations this it is, is enjoyable as like a very old school piece of hollywood oh entertainment god. in terms of it's like crazy. it's big it's grand but i i mm. said out loud to britney in a sentence that of course meant nothing i just went you know caleb deschanel used to shoot movies like i just like yeah, it's beautiful it's like, but it's like it's it stunningly is, shot yeah it's yeah. like gorgeous to look at it's, um, it's a tough movie it's not you know there was a period of time young listener and in the King, um, Memoirs of a Geisha, The Last Samurai. There was like a moment yeah. where Hollywood was like, hey, like an Asian epic? What do we think about? Uh? Right. And it an was Asian like, epic starring white person? What is yeah. Yeah. Right. The, <laughs> and, even like of a, and even Memoirs of a Geisha, certainly, that it, it's not a white star, but the problem with, if you guys remember, they Memoirs were very geisha, much like Chinese actor, exactly. Japanese actor, uh, doesn't Zai matter. You're is like, playing a geisha. She is Chinese. Geishas right. are Japanese. So right. certainly that, and even that book is, I think, is Arthur Golden or something, Ron Golden, who wrote the book. So that whole, the whole book, the whole, Rob Marshall directed it. The yeah. incredible score by John Williams. We should yeah. say that. He was double nominated. That double, yeah, very good score. Um, weirdly, two of his underrated scores, Munich, can I just say? Munich seven and, years in Tibet. Huh? Oh, sure. White wow. guy. Yeah. You know, Tibet, what have you. Yeah. And Memoirs of a John was like, let me do the heavy lifting on this. Let me do the heavy <laughs> lifting on this one, guys. So- but anyway, Anne and the King, not a hit, certainly not well-reviewed, not great casting. Her and Xiao Young Fat have weird chemistry, but a funny timepiece for 99. Xiao Young Fat was kind of becoming a, yeah, a transitional ha- movie star. Jackie Hollywood Chan had star. already come over. It was kind of, you know, Xiao Young Fat starred in movies. I mean, this yeah. was kind of the beginning of that to some degree. 
So that's interesting. Anyway. And it predates Crouching Tiger, which I think was yes. the, that was like for Chayun Fat in America. The next Crouching like Tiger, the, which yes. becomes yeah. just a, a, just huge a absolute triumph. Monster culture. She takes thing. a nice long break, is in Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys in a supporting role. I think she produces that movie. And then quite famously, in 02, Nicole Kidman is supposed to be in a movie directed by David Fincher called Panic Room. And I believe she breaks her leg. Or gets hurt, I think. She wow. got injured, I believe, is what happened. And so, and this is what's so crazy about it. Kristen Stewart already cast, this is what's so crazy, to play Nicole Kidman's daughter. And then they get in an emergency, Jodie Foster, and Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart look exactly, exactly the like. same. Yeah. <laughs> there could be no more. more this is casting. the movie I am sorry I did not rewatch before we talked about this. Yes. Great I love, film. It's such a yeah, good. It's, it's such a good movie. It is not it's an really elevated movie. Film. No, but, but no. it is quite good. Like for just, I want quite to be good. entertained. Yes. You are not going to find a better yeah, movie. I it's think, just yeah. an entertainment device. Like yeah. just. It's we don't need to explain of, it. Just no, great, no, no, no. A it's great just, Fincher it, film. Yes, it's. I think it's like one of those Fincher movies where it's like, you know, he can just make a movie. Like he, not even like when he's game, not trying not to like swing like the for the fences, he can just execute the fuck out of like a down the middle movie, and it is. Yeah, yeah I think great. you know, I think the, <laughs> the game and the game and this uh, Panic Room are certainly probably the best examples of that. Of just like I'm just gonna make a real fun movie, and you're like, yeah, that was really fun, and um. And so that's Panic Room, big big hit. Um, famously, um, uh, has always spoken many languages. She makes she has a important supporting role in a very long engagement, which is the um, Jean Pierre Jeunet movie, which right. was a big 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 hit uh, overseas. That's a couple years later, and then makes Flight Plan. Uh, a uh, part was written for a man in production in pre production. Uh, uh, she came on. They changed it. Big, big, big hit. Also a fun film, not at the level of Panic Room, but certainly yeah. a fun, it's an okay silly watch. movie. Basically. Have you seen Flight Plan? It's kind of a dumb version, a dumber version of The Lady uh, Vanishes. The Lady from Shanghai. Yeah. The Lady Vanishes. Mm. The Lady yeah. Vanishes. Yeah. It's, it, it's basically, just for the listener, it's basically a contemporary take on The Lady Vanishes. But like with all the problems that would come out of that, where you're like, well, this doesn't, this makes even less sense. She goes basically. on a plane with her daughter and then the daughter is missing and nobody remembers her having a daughter. Where's the daughter? We're on a plane. Yeah, it's right. a little, Where is she? What's going on? But it is a good, it's like a nice it's fun. three-star watch. I Inside would say. Man, yeah. Spike Lee movie, very great in that movie. Fun, yes. fun, fun, yeah. fun, fun movie. The Brave One could have been a B-side. Could yes. have been a B-side. Yeah. She's I, the Brave One. I, brave. I might have, like, if if we had it all to do over again, I might have, like, lobbied harder for The Brave One. And, as Did you watch to the, the Brave One? No, okay. but I just feel like... We'll get to it, but I yeah. like like the next one that we're going to talk about, Nim's Island, which I don't want to hop over what you're saying. We're, has, we're basically there, yeah. Yeah, like the brave one to me, like I'm that casting makes all the sense in the world. Yes, like totally. that is right down the middle of what I expect. Like, oh, yeah. Jodie Foster will knock that out of the park, and it's kind of the last. Well, Jodie it's either, Foster leading yeah, a movie like movie. that is either really. her or Nicole Kidman, right? It's like that. You know, that's like for yeah, sure. That's yeah. what I'm saying, right? Like, which I find funny because I don't find them the same type No, I at don't all. either, but no, it just feels like no. those would be the people that would have gotten offered that, that part. So, I mean, because to, to, to review, 
part of the thing about backtrack that felt so ill-fitting is like her having to like just like turn on a dime and decide that she's going to be with Dennis Hopper. Like I was watching that movie yeah. and imagining what would have happened if you had like a vintage Holly Hunter do that. Mm. Sure. I was like, I would first, I don't, I can't articulate why, but there's something about like what Holly Hunter brings to the table, even if it's sure. just like you believe that she's got she, chemistry. To she's some the weird closest dude. comp to Jodie like, Foster, I think. Yeah, yeah. So like, I was like, I bet Holly Hunter would make more sense in that role. Like I, yeah. like I just right. feel like maybe it's a casting That's interesting. thing. That's and interesting. so when we get to Nim's Island, half of the thing for me is like, I, I, I feel like I'm seeing double because I just feel like she was miscast in this. What I, That's you, kind of part so of what, what I like is. about Nim's Island, which I actually really enjoyed. And the whole time I kept thinking, I can't wait to show my kids this movie, actually bringing it back to what you were saying about Bugsy Malone watching it with your kid in a different way. But what I liked about Nim's Island is that she's making it basically a Disney movie. Like yeah. she yeah. made Disney movies as a kid and now she's playing essentially like not the mom in Freaky Friday, but that role yeah. in Nims right. Island, which I did like. I watching it, I was like, oh wow, this is just kind of a nice throwback, basically wholesome yeah. movie. Whimsical. Where she is the third lead in this famous kids book. And it is a pretty famous kids book, Nims Island. And they're basically making the book with this meta textual thing. And it's Abigail Breslin is the star. Jared Butler is her father, who's a scientist who gets lost at sea. And all of a sudden, this girl named Nim is alone on an island that nobody knows where it is because the dad's like a famous scientist and he won't reveal their location. And she's obsessed with the girl Nim is obsessed with these books by that Alex are, Rover because you hear that name a million times. 405 times. Uh, yeah. I have, we're, can we come back, put a pin in that for a second? Absolutely. Keep going. Yeah. No, no. And so yeah. just essentially, yeah. it's just she reaches out to Alex Rover or Alex Rover reaches out to her and they have this email correspondence and essentially. Nim, Abigail Breslin, is like, hey, can you actually come rescue me because I'm on an island and this are basically agoraphobic woman who is Alexandra Rover, who is the played author, by, yes. uh, played by Jodie Foster, Foster yeah. has to fight her fear to go to this random island and, and save this little girl. So th there I are mean, a couple mechanics at play with this that I think are fascinating in this movie. Please. Uh, yeah, please so go they on. both also hallucinate the fictional character, Alex Rover. Played by Gerard Butler. Played by Gerard Butler. Nice touch. Very like fun. I had texted Very you guys like good in this movie, Gerard. And he, no, he's good. I, I, I think everybody's I think this is basically a like an okay movie. Also, it's did like pretty well. Like, which yeah, is weird. Hit. Big hit. Did way better and than you would have thought it did. Really? Because like, the not tomato meter is not great on no, this. No, 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 it made no. like a lot and, and of money. Okay. Clear, I don't it wasn't like a Huge, huge, big hit, but made more than its money but, back. But certainly, a couple did times over. better than like, you would think a Nim's yeah, Island movie did. Yeah, yeah, yeah for okay. sure. Um, but basically, so they're both have these visions of the character Alex Rover. So I have a couple questions. One, Abigail Breslin thinks that she is emailing with adventurer Alex Rover, and yes. is not really aware that she's he's like. Kid. But I, she's like. A skosh too old. She's like 10, 12, maybe. How old do we think but she is? But didn't she grow up on this island? 11. She's 11. Okay, right. I'm pretty so, sure. But I mean, she I grew up on an island. You what should you be know? aware at 11 of like. That I, authors the, exist? Yes, right. Is my, is my point. Well, 
And I do yeah. think the growing up, the growing up on an island thing. Sure. But the thing is, it's not like she grew it's up so on. It's so funny an, that she's I not Nell. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's not like right. It's she has the internet. She has yes, email. like they yeah. have right. She's there. They're not like she played soccer. From the, yes. Yeah. yeah true. That's, that's what I'm saying. saying. Like, that was the first thing I thought when I saw like her he's playing been on soccer the cover with of the animals. Nat Geo, right? You know? Yeah, like, he works for Nat Geo. Yeah. Does these? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So the mechanics of like it's a little strange. It well I. I took that to mean maybe they were presenting the Alex Rover books as first person accounts and it's sure. all kind of a scam a little bit. Maybe. Like maybe okay. she was presenting herself like it's all written first person and it's like, oh, I did this. And so right, like she's so, Bear Grylls or something. Yeah. Right so okay, I got yeah. the sense that maybe these books are presented as first person accounts and maybe like there's some quotes around that, but like they're presenting this. As like, oh, this is by the person yes. who did okay. this. I did this, and it's like true life adventure. So either the yeah, so either that's a the great explanation. I'll tell. I'll buy that explanation. Either the daughter is really dim, yeah. or the More like Dim's Island, right? right. <laughs> or the publishers are kind of unscrupulous, and they're selling these right. as true accounts when they are all fictional, right? Because there is a reveal, not a reveal, but there is like a betrayal, quote unquote, later in the movie right. where she's like, "Wait, you're not Alex Rover? Like, what is you know?" Which is like insane. You're like, "What did you earn? Did you actually like? What are we th talking about here?" So that's yeah. that's point one. Point two, which is kind of nuts, and this is less so, but I just I want to know what the to your point, Katie. I want to know what these books are in the world of the movie, right? Right. Because so Jody decides I am the only person I gotta who, save this kid. Yeah, I have to save this kid, right? Sure, whatever. I mean, that's With not the responsible thing fictional... to do. The thing to do is to give up the coordinates and call the consulate back of Fiji or but whoever she's she she talking to. But she promised they wouldn't give up their yeah, coordinate. No, don't whatever. make that promise. Hey, don't call no. the proper authorities. Absolutely, get you the girl saved. That but whatever. But Matthew Fox is there. Evangeline <laughs> Lilly not taking vaccines is there. They're all just there on the island. But basically, that's not a good place for kids. No, bad place. Um, so whatever. So Jody goes, and she has this layover, and Jeremy the, Davies, and there, and the, the woman taking her boarding pass goes, "Oh, Alex, you you have this Alex Rover. You have the same name as a famous adventurer." And it's like, how many? Like, because in my mind. <laughs> In my mind, the Alex Rover books are like Sahara. You know, they're like the Dirk Pitt books. Yeah. So like the actual real world Dirk equivalent with that would be if like you, your name was Dirk Pitt and you took a flight and miraculously the flight attendant was like, oh, Dirk Pitt, like Sahara, to which you would be like, what? <laughs> what? Like, you know, like, you know who Dirk, like. Well, you're, 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 you're referencing another David Fincher movie, The Killer, where he's. Sure. He, all right. His, where he just takes. He's Richie yeah. Cunningham. Yeah. He's all the sitcom characters. It's, yeah. So it's a, I, right. it's a very weird, yes. like, are the Alex Rover books, like, does Indiana Jones not exist in the world of the movie? And, sure. And Alex That's Rover is Indiana yeah. Jones yeah. pop culturally. But also like, they think he's a real person. Yes. Yeah. But it's, I'm just very confused about what the books are in the world. Did it's they publish question. any? I wonder if they published any Alex Rover books. Oh, oh like the Argyle thing? Oh, well, so I we can't imagine they would be good. Connor's reviewing it. There's, there's a rumbling now. There's a black like smoke Argyle coming fever. through the floorboards because I because I, I invoked Argyle. Sweeping the nation, <laughs> repending the Matthew Vaughn movie, Argyle. <laughs> no, but so this is so funny though. I I didn't even really occur to me that we essentially did two kids movies, and I really liked one. Yeah. Didn't like the other, and here we are. Yeah, I, we and go. it's I interesting because I grabbed onto the energy that you're talking about of like, 
Oh, I get what they're like. They're making a 1965. Yeah, that's my thing. The Haley Castaway Mills Cowboy or something. Disney movie or whatever, right? Like, yeah. and that which I is think, accurate. I think yeah. that's the right lens for this. Yeah, and I think yeah, and it's, I, I think it mostly it works and on those terms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Despite maybe some confusing things about the mechanics of the movie, there's a, a heavy Fight Club level to this movie because of Jodie Foster's hallucinations, where like it's not just some playful thing where she's talking to herself. She is like, so when she tries to leave the house, she dresses like Paddington. And then she's... <laughs> or you know, this, she not cutaways, third person cutaways to her talking. Yes. To, yes yeah. talking about. Right, 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 she dresses right. like Paddington. Right. Uh, I don't know if I could find a photo or whatever to oh, post. No, but, that's but if I do... Super So she dresses well, like Paddington. She's about to go out the door. And the cab is there waiting to take her to the airport. And she decides she doesn't want to do it. And she is fighting with fictional Alex Rober, Gerard Butler at the door. And it cuts to a perspective of the cabbie looking at her door and she's full on Edward Nortoning spoilers for fight club for those who haven't seen it, but she's like full on or Ed Nortoning or whatever, like, character which invisibly. like this woman is unwell. Like, is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the plane, the agoraphobia for laughs uh, felt, uh, a little tone deaf. I mean, I know it's a kid's movie. I don't know. This right. is my least, full stop, this is my least favorite sure. one. And I recognize that if I, if my child was small, if I was watching this with small children, like that's who it's for. Yeah. I'm not trying to, I know this is, I'm not the target audience. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I do know that like a really great kids movie works on several levels, right? Sure. It works for the kids, yeah. it works sure. for the parents, yeah. there's jokes for everybody. That's why Pixar has done so well because right. like they really are made for two levels of audience. Mm. Yes. And this was definitely made for one. Yeah, yes. because yeah, yeah, this, yeah, there is nothing to, nothing on the table for the grown-ups, including the fact that there's this whole subplot where, despite the fact that this is a secret location, some random cruise ship chain has finds the island. Yep. Figures it's uninhabited. They sort of triangle of sadness a little bit. Triangle of sadness <laughs> slash uh, fire fest. This yes. Island yeah, where yeah. they like bring a bunch of tourists that don't have infrastructure. Right, and her to bring whole on some... plan is to like scare them away. Yeah. She yeah, home alone gonna... the island a little yeah, bit. Yeah. She home alone the island. So there's like a home alone section. Like, and I was like, if that whole thing wasn't there, like I, it really did feel like there was so much effort, like on the Jodie Foster side, she's trying to get to this kid for like stupid, the stupidest reasons because she could just like, like call they have like they pay a little lip service to her calling the authorities trying to explain where this person is and they don't take her seriously or whatever whatever and she can't explain no this is the famous writer scientist yeah. person his daughter is alone he's lost at sea so so she's spending all of her time trying to get there she doesn't actually get to abigail Breslin until towards the end right, and so abigail Breslin has her whole thing her most of her scenes are with the animals like the sort yeah. of quasi They just need something animals. to give her to do, basically. Is, is it a seal? Like. Is it a seal? There's a, there's well, there's a, seal, a few. There's, there's a, a seal. Lizard. There's like an iguana or some kind yeah. of lizard. All her friends. And a, a bird, a so gull they've, of they've some They've taken kind. all the actors and they basically have separated them right. yes. to have their own things. Right. Gerard Butler has scenes on a boat alone. He's on a boat a alone with a deus ex... Pelican, to, yeah. he's like basically in her. the shallows. He's, he's like in the shallows. Like, <laughs> so they're all separated. And the only actors who really engage with each other through most of it is when Jody is interacting with pretend Gerard Butler right, right. doing the Fight Club. So it's like the structure of this makes no sense. And I feel like if you just take off the like cruise ship angle, you have room for them to actually like figure each other well, out. Well, sure. what's I mean, interesting is this is a writing duo who has had who had a lot of success and made, directed this movie and then never directed again interesting. which i find okay. very interesting because yeah. it's certainly edited i liked it a lot i did but it's certainly edited in a we had to save this i i know nothing this is a full conjecture okay but it's certainly edited 
to suggest we had to save this movie in the edit. I also don't know how often it does this happens, but it's that worth that noting way. that one of the producers also has a writing credit. Interesting. Um, the film. Interesting. Yeah, they had like a pair and then a different pair. Yes. So this correct. went through some yeah. rewrites. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, you know, it ends up being a I want to say early in the year release. I'm looking to make sure as I talk April, April 08. You know, cost a little bit, made a little bit more. I think was a, sold well on DVD. So like certainly a good solid write-off for a studio, but certainly not not a well you're coming back to. I think that's kind of where that ends. And what's funny about it is we, we mentioned The Brave One. This is really kind of the ostensible end of like Jodie Foster leading movies. It really is. Like she kind mm. of, you know, she so brave, brave, brave One, the Neil Jordan movie does okay. Uh, probably sh- could have done better. Doesn't get amazingly well, amazingly well reviewed. Doesn't do great. Nims Island comes out six months later, seven months later. Does okay. And then she takes a good long break. And then she comes back to direct her friend Mel Gibson in the famous blacklist script, The Beaver, which is our last movie. But that's yes. three years later. And The Beaver is kind of a big festival movie. It gets a nice summer opening by, I think it's Open Road at that point. And like really does not get seen. Like nobody sees it. It doesn't get well reviewed. Can't imagine. Well, why. and look, yeah. And look, truly, that is yeah. people do, I think, even forget this. But Mel Gibson, who had had all those issues and said all those terrible things and, and been accused of doing even worse things, he may he directs Apocalypto years go by, accusations happen, recordings happen you know, very ostracized appropriately. So, and then has this weird moment in 2011 where, where there isn't it. Hollywood is like, are we good? Can Mel Gibson still be a star? And he makes that edge of darkness movie, which is a adaptation of yeah. the British show that does underperform, I think like two months before the beaver comes out. And then the beaver, like not only underperforms, but like is basically like not a movie that comes out. And that's kind of the end. Like he, Mel Gibson still makes movies and is in movies, but like strictly VOD and like comedy sequels, like Daddy's well, Home Well, I was going to say Daddy's yeah. Home too, Where he's like the fourth the stu- guy and yeah. like the whole, it's stun casting. It is stun casting. Which I think, you know, and look, some of them are good movies. Like Bloodfather is a good action movie. Like Get the Gringo is a fun action. Like they're not all bad movies necessarily, but they don't really come out. They're more like they make their money, you know, in streaming and on Tubi and, you know, people rent them and whatever. But um, I'm just making sure. Yeah. Edge of Darkness. Okay. It's 2010. But regardless, same thing. The Beaver comes out. Yeah. So <laughs> The Beaver. Um, <laughs> <sighs> okay. So Jody directs her first movie since Home for the Holidays. She'd made a lot of TV. <sighs> it's, I don't like this movie. It's so bad. What do we think? Do you like it? I, again, like, I, I remember feel, liking it more. I feel so weird because usually I'm like a, such a hater I on the show. And you're like, come on. <laughs> and and now here, I'm like, I was like, this was actually the most enjoyable run of movies I've watched for this That's podcast. That's so like, funny. And I kind of liked it. Well, I was surprised I, to say I kind of liked it. Here, here's what I say. I remember, I, I remember watching it. And liking most of it, and it had it has now been thirteen years. I don't know. Right. Whenever I saw, I think I saw it in theaters probably, or or whatever. And I remember, I remember the hoopla about it getting made because for those who don't know, the blacklist has been around for a long time. It's like where you know you submit your screenplay there. It's 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 kind of a 
like the black well, it's like it's like screenplays that are hot and like it's can, the it's the mo like it's a survey of people in the industry yeah. and it is their favorite unproduced unproduced screenplay screenplay of right. the year it started in 2005 so oh see i thought it was, it was even it, longer ago no oh, it started in 2005 oh good to know and 2007 the thing that came out of that was juno oh right. see yes. juno was and a black that was, script that was yeah, and then Diablo yeah, Cody. yeah so 2008 the winner was the beaver and then she tries, Jodie Foster tries to get it made. She tries to get it made like Steve Carell is attached at some point, which I right. think would have been kind of incredible. Yeah, way better. But at the time, like we didn't, I don't think we knew what a good actor he was at the time. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. So right, Steve Carell like attached at some point. Time, yeah. Jim Carrey was attached, which would have been horrible. I can't. Maybe. Mm, mm, I would not have enjoyed it. I, and I, and I, I don't like know him how occasionally. It yeah. I don't know how it would have played. Like if it's Jim Carrey, I don't think Jodie can be the co-star. Well, and also, you know she wouldn't I mean? be like, in charge of that movie at all because, yeah, like, I, I think right, under right, like the right. right director, maybe it could be Jim Carrey. But so for the audience, like, if you don't know, basically the idea is that this guy, there's a man, he's suicidally Walter depressed. Walter Black. Walter Black. <laughs> yeah, and so Walter Black is depressed. He's American, but the Beaver is Aussie, right? Because of yeah, but like, something. so basically, this guy's some, very depressed. Some combination of like, like an Aussie, Aussie and Cockney, Cockney. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's trying well, to do a bunch of things. I'm not sure, but but, he's, but the guy, the guy is is suicidally depressed. He's moved out of the house. Yes. He's gone to this motel. He finds when he's throwing out all his shit because he's gonna kill himself. Yes. He finds a Beaver puppet in the yeah, dumpster. Hand a yes. hand puppet yes. and he puts it on and it kind of like turns into kind of a split personality right. thing where he ventriloquizes it yes. and the guy and the thing saves him from killing himself right. because the things like, Walter Black cannot say the beaver can say right. on so behalf it, of Walter Black yes, so he yes, lets yes. it become his alter ego right. and it and it like revitalizes his life but he can really only live through this puppet he can't mm. like anytime he's forced to be himself yes he like turns into this pouty little depressed thing again and so he needs the beaver and then he starts believing that the beaver is like real real right yeah that's the deal so and i yeah I, I, that's the, and that's i think the i even read it because when the blacklist okay. was oh, big right? do you, you remember like you said, it at all and i was do you remember well no because i was gonna play? say i the, you know, like 2011, 2010, 09, I was still in college for some of that. I, I, I was doing coverage. I was interning at production companies. So I was actually reading stuff and doing coverage like for an intern job. And I would like go home and read like the script for Salt, right? Because right. like Salt was written for Tom Cruise. And then not unlike Flight Plan, they, you know, Eric Salt or whatever became Evelyn Salt and Angela right. Angel Lee. Right. So I read that script. I read, I remember a big one I read, which I think was also Blacklist script, was Buried, which is like right. a guy yeah. who's buried. That's definitely a Blacklist script. That has but it was a great script. Yeah. I think it was Chris Dowling wrote that, like yeah. read really well. I read it. I remember I was like, oh, this is going to be a great movie. And it wasn't a great movie, but it was interesting. And, um, and I think I read The Beaver because it was similarly like a hot thing. I was trying to get my hands on everything. Read, 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 write as much as I could. And it read great. Like, and it is a great idea. It really, like, and it, 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 to your point, like the legitimization that Juno gave, you know, uh, Franklin Leonard's Blacklist, like totally get it. And I see it. And um, I think... Now, now the blacklist is weird because it's like still important, but there is this other jokey part of like almost like the joke about people saying they went to NYU of it, right? Of like, you're like, yes, it's legitimate, but also like there's so many movies that come out that were blacklist scripts that like don't go anywhere. So it's just like anything like that, just aggregation and stuff happens and you're just like, there's plenty of criticism 
but there is legitimacy. So it's interesting to go back and watch The Beaver where this was like the first like it didn't do well. Right. But I think as a movie, I do like Mel Gibson in it. And I do think, you know, all of his troubles and terribleness aside, like it does speak to the kind of movie star he is and the crazy accents. It is funny. He is charming. He's very broken in a believable way. Very like we start in a leaving Las Vegas level yes. place. Yeah, with him. I do yeah. think it speaks to one thing I wanted to bring up earlier with Jodie Foster. A thing about Jodie that I think is underrated and has never really been captured, and I think some of her directing is it captures it, is she is funny. Yeah. And I yeah. do think like Home for the Holidays is funny. Parts of the Beaver are funny. Like she she's has given funny also performances. Good. I mean, she's only directed four movies and she's only in two of them. But I do think as director actors go, she's pretty good at casting herself and like directing herself. And, and knowing when not to, too. Yeah. To your point. And yeah. I don't think that's true for everybody. So yeah. I, I, that's, you know. I do love her in Little Man Tate. That's, that's what, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I think she's good in Little Man Tate. Here, here. She what do you lost think about here, her? She gets a little lost. She I does. Agree. She gets lost. You I think, think so? To me, she did. Yeah. I felt like she was kind of more of a cipher. Like she's definitely doing the work, but she's very reactive, mm. and that is kind of all that character has, has for them. To do. I don't sure. think she has a lot of like, like we see, we see her. She's got a bit of screen time on her own, but there's not really a lot yeah. for it. So I feel like Mel Gibson's portrayal of this particular troubled man is takes up so much oxygen, and I. I bet that if someone else was directing this, I think Jodie Foster having, fo you know, focusing only on that part would probably find some other stuff to do. But yeah. if she's directing this whole thing. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the mom, right? Do we think it's because nobody said yes? What do you mean? Like, do you think... Oh, to work with Mel? Yeah. No. Like, oh, well, no, no. He... I hear tell. Um, my understanding is I'm that just, she. I, this he is kind pure of, speculation. I'm just like. My understanding is that he kind of saved the picture because she wasn't able to. She get wasn't anybody? getting the finance. Well, she. I mean, different people were attached, but she yeah. wasn't getting the financing. Yeah, interesting. And then he came along and he kind of helped get it made. And That's wild. And then <laughs> and then they make it, and then like tapes come out of like like the bad tapes, you know? What yeah, because I mean? that was come trying out, to like, remember the tapes more shit after happens. the Beaver, right? No, they no, come out the like beaver. after they've shot it, but before it's. Uh, I see. Yeah, you're okay. right. You're right. So more the tapes come out more with like the, the real bad yeah, tapes yeah, come yeah, out, yeah, and yeah. then. And yeah, they come out before the movie's out, so that kind of kills the opening of the movie, and then she kind of. It's interesting because she kind of defended him in the way like, oh, we've gone back a long way. Like, some, that's not the person that I know. Some. some. Not, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. interestingly, because some of what he had said in those tapes was pretty homophobic, yeah. she was not publicly out at the time. So mm. she's dancing. She's like, well, I've known him a long time. I don't think he's homophobic, but she can't really say why she knows that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah. it's real weird. It put her in a weird spot. It put you her know, in a weird she's, spot. She's pretty vocal about it on the interview that she does with Mark Marin. Okay. In a very like. Well, look, I've always said this on this podcast. Look, I, where I where I struggle with criticizing people, like the Diane Keatons, crit, mm. like defending Woody Allen, right? Is these are friends. Like, right. like if my best friend was accused of something, I know, I know that I would defend that person. Like, if that person told me, like, I know that I would. So I I struggle on a personal level of like. I, I'm not saying we should believe anything. I'm not I'm not right. discrediting anybody. I'm just saying I struggle with like when Robert Downey Jr., who literally credits Mel Gibson amongst the, the highest people, his Susan Downey and Mel Gibson with saving his life and career. Yeah. Right. Robert Downey Jr. got cast in the singing detective. 
because of Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson like paid the insurance bond for him to be in the movie. And Robert Downey Jr. has basically alluded to the fact that like saved everything for him. So it's like, that's a huge gesture from a really, really good friend, right? So it's like, you're going to defend that person. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just understanding the context. That's right. all I'm saying. So sure. I understand Jody. She's a, been in the business forever and ever. And she. I understand as much as I can understand where she's probably coming from. And I think it speaks to her frankness. We were talking about it. She's one of these people who's like been very... You know, like she understands probably more than we'll ever know about working in this business and the terrible and the good and all that in between, I feel. Well, it's funny. I do think that when she defended, I don't I don't think that was like last that didn't it it, it hurt the movie, certainly. Yeah. Like what, what happened with him. But it didn't really blackball her. No, I don't, no, think, I don't think so. But think about if that exact same thing played out now. Sure. It would. Yeah. Probably, I think, uh, I think yeah, the politics probably. around it are different. I think they've changed. I think back in the day, you would understand, oh, you'll defend your friend. And I, and I think you're right. I think that's a yeah. very human thing. You can't, you can't expect somebody who hasn't seen that side of a person. Like, right. they have to kind of tap dance around, but you can't expect them to be like, um, on evidence I've not seen, this person I've known a long time is a terrible person. I'm never Oh, you're dead again. to me. Like, right. After all these, you know, I just. Yeah. Saw, yeah. yeah. So, so I understand it. But today, you would have to play that very yeah. differently because 100%. if she said what she said then, oh, yeah. now people would be like, she would be roasted forever. Yeah. Like she, yeah. They would put, and, and the other thing is that if the beaver, if the, if the exact same thing happened now, they would pull it from the theater. It would never get released. Yeah. It would never yeah. get and released. It would before, be magazine dreamed away. Yes. Yes. Summit released it, not Open Road. I said Open Road earlier. Okay. But Summit was the one who released it, which at the time, Summit was newer. They're trying to make a splash. I think The Beaver was a big play. Didn't They'd work been out, They'd doing the Twilight films at that point. Yeah, Summit no yeah. longer exists in the same way. Summit got bought, I think, by Lionsgate. Yeah. And is now part of Lionsgate. But at the time, was a mid-major had success with the Twilight movies, was trying to kind of expand. And yeah, I think my biggest thing with the Beaver, bringing it back to the movie, yes. is I don't think it earns the ending. Mm. And that, I was reminded, rewatching it, was exactly how I felt 13 years ago. I when he does what he does, we don't need to spoil it. Yeah. I was like, no. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> this did not earn just, this. I do not I, like this I think this the way anymore. the whole movie plays out... Um, I mean, just speaking of a time, there's a whole show sequence where he goes on the Today Show. It's just between oh, him dude. and Matt Lauer. And I texted so him. Oh I was so like, much I texted him like an image of the screen and I was like, a truly cursed scene. Like just a truly Matt Lauer. Like, oh, yeah, just real. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway. But there's like, and look, I mean, who would it, it's not, you know, no, no, we're no. saying this now, looking back at it, you I mean, know, but yeah, hindsight is wild well, to watch now. I, I think actually, I the way that Mel played it, I actually bought right. him doing the drastic thing that he does. Yeah. But the the part that I bought the least was the part where he is suddenly a sensation. Yeah. Suddenly he's like the Taylor Swift of mental health yeah. spokespeople, where he is on every cover at the same time. I was like, nobody. Yeah, you're in being nobody has been in yeah. the same think, time. Well, I think, and I'd be curious to know how it plays in the script, which is why I mentioned mm. I asked that before. It was like, I don't, I think from a direct standpoint i think jody treats the whole thing a little too in earnest and i think mm. part of the reason part of the reason i was saying i think a jim carrey could have worked and this is just a hypothetical whatever sliding doors <laughs> is like <laughs> if this is more of like a what if slightly penguins a slightly bonkers like 
Michelle Gondry movie. Right. Oh, where like yeah. it gets a a little more cerebral like and kooky. a little weirder and kookier. Yeah. And I think maybe what Mel does do at the end of the movie probably fits a little better in a movie like that because it's just a little more turned to eleven. I could see, I see like that. A, I could see you, you like know what's funny. Carey. You kind of you know what's funny about this. You kind of get that when the, that Showtime show he did with Michelle Gondry that Jim Carrey did, where he's oh the, yeah, it's a li- yes. What is that yeah. show called? Uh, where he's the child's yeah uh, show host, yeah, Mr. Smiles or something. It's like something called something I, like that. He it was only two seasons. Yes. I would just live in fear of Jim Carrey spending ninety percent of the movie in character as the puppet. Yes. I just don't sure. have that. Do you know who would have totally fair? you know who would have immediately been cast in nineteen ninety seven, and the movie would have played in three thousand theaters and not have had the same ending? Robin Williams. Robin Williams, <laughs> right? Absolutely. A hundred and ten. See, when Robin, you said 1997, I was like, uh-huh. Robin Robin Williams, Robin Williams would have been so good in this movie. Well, he would have been. I guess so. Well, like, when, even in 2011, Robin like, I well, think would have been. He did have a thing. He had sad mode. The sad yeah. mode Robin Williams was saying. so sad that I was like, I. Jacob the liar. That could have been yeah. good or it could have been bad because his sad mode was so, Dour, like, yeah. waterlogged yeah. that I just don't know. I, I I'm still holding out for the alternate world where this was Steve Carell. I think Steve Carell would have killed sure. him. You're not sure. wrong, yeah. I guess. I didn't even think, I forgot about those casting things. You're right. Carell, it would have been interesting. That was a weird moment in his career. He had made like Evan Almighty. Day in real life was coming out in the same year as the Beaver. Yeah, it was like right before. But he had also made Little Miss Sunshine at that point. So he was like 405. Yeah, so he was like at least starting to flex. Like he had, he had like a little bit of indie cred, I feel like. God, it's crazy. Crowley has been around for so long. It's so true. It's crazy. So, I mean, I could totally understand you taking away that this like didn't work for you. For some reason it did. It just hit me the right way. I liked the the Jennifer Lawrence, Anthony Yelchin like um, subplot. I thought it was like, there's actually more about this plot that matters than the other plot, which I'm not sure is correct. And I do think they have good chemistry. They do. uh, In both of their films, as a matter of fact, I mentioned like crazy before. Uh, so I like that. I thought Jennifer Lawrence was was radiant in it. You can definitely see a movie star on screen. Oh, yes. sure. Yeah. Even Anton Yeltsin to a smaller degree, you could see that. I was that trying to figure out, was like, had the Hunger Games, like the first Hunger Games broke? Because I was like, yeah, right. She was right. She was right Because Winter's Moan, sure. But I was like, how did I not even know she was in this movie? She would have been everywhere. She would have been yeah. the poster. The next year. Yeah, the, is the, the next year. The next year, but, I believe it was fall 2012 is the hunger games but retrospect yeah. is such a she bitch she got her nomination though at that because, point, right? yeah for winter's ball yeah, but it was a small movie because like, like looking back in that like mel gibson we know what happened to mel gibson mm. like you what see the tra- <laughs> you see the trailer for this and it is a frightened rabbit song and there's also in the movie yes, it's called swim yeah. so i can't see yes, land yes. and it's supposed to feel like hopeful you know when you go from a suicidal place to a hopeful place 2019 that singer yeah. famously kills himself yeah, yeah. um and yeah. yelchin dead through horrible circumstances like it's just a weird thing to watch now it just like it seems like a weird time capsule and you know all the tragedy that's going to come for these people and so because it ends on a kind of thing like you know jennifer lawrence has a speech and without giving too much away she's she's like yeah like it doesn't always work out that's kind of the thing it doesn't always work out and you have to kind of accept that and for some reason that's not that deep it's not that deep at all but like it between what the movie was how it had played and what I know about the fates right, of the like people you're pa- since you're then. It all That's I'm packing it all and I was like, oh yeah, man, it does not all work out. You are right, 17-year-old <laughs> yeah. Jennifer Lawrence or whatever. Like I didn't mean to type away. I, I, don't I like for that me. read. Uh, yeah. That's an interesting read to rewatch this movie with for sure. I think, yeah, I mean, I 
I, look, it speaks to how interesting Jodie Foster's career has been, even when you look at the four movies she's directed. And even when you look at, you know, Archangel or, or the TV she's directed, like she is a incredibly accomplished creative person. And even now, as we record this, um, you know, the new True Detective season's out. She's the co-lead uh, with Kaylee Reese in the, the fourth season. And is is uh, great just so enjoyable really great and is just as we were recording nominated for her fifth oscar i believe it's I'll, her fifth oscar nomination <laughs> for nyad which she plays the the best friend uh and quote-unquote trainer of yes. diana nyad who was a complicated is i'm still alive yeah is a complicated Athlete of some renown and some controversy, and uh, Nyad's played the you're titular. Cur- you're correct. Right. Fifth, fifth titular Oscar. Nyad is uh, played by Annette Benning. So it's just interesting. It's like I think a very well deserved fifth nomination. I think she's very good. Nyad, she's Nyad very the good, movie, not great. I did not love the movie. Potentially, but, love, she was, but she was by far my favorite thing in it, 100%. and I think that's kind of. It was so funny to watch Nyad laugh. I watched it last because yeah, I watched these movies yeah. in a bonkers order. It doesn't matter, but it was not the right order to watch things in. So weird. It made no sense. But like, I think the common thread about all these B-sides to me is that none of them really fit her well. Like I felt right. like she was mm. sort of a little miscast or a little bit like it wasn't speaking to her strengths, even a Bugsy Malone where she was sure. shining. Like it's not like it's not a part to me. Like, like it just works because she's the best kid actor at the time. Yes. You know? Right. It's, yeah. It doesn't speak to anything coming like, up. Right. Nim's Island is really mostly about how like charming Gerard Butler is and really how is. genuinely talented really Abigail is. Breslin is as yes. a young actress. You know? Really kind of is a Gerard Butler like, movie, which is kind of funny <laughs> to think yeah, about. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and Backtrack, it's more about like watching her play against the weirdness of Dennis Hopper and right. the fever she kind of gets. Yeah. It's more about how she's directed it because she kind of gets lost as an actor. Yeah. So you go back and you watch like Night Country and you watch Nyad and you're like, Jodie Foster, like you are coming in crystal clear. The frequency is crisp. It's It's true. I was delighted when I would get around to like plugging in contact into my prep for this, you know, because you just you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, this. Oh, and she's great. No, and that's the thing. Contact, right? That's her. That's her. I mean, she didn't say it was her favorite performance, right? She Mm. just said that was the one that was like the most. No, but I do like her. I I think she does. I think she's said openly in multiple interviews she does love that movie featuring I think she another loves that true character. detective in that film mm. her and her oh, and Rust, yeah. oh yeah paul Murat, paul palmer joss palmer joss that is his real character it, it, that yeah, is it very is. Funny. and also Nuts. featuring we were, we were talking about this in our we were dming with our with our, our friend mitchell um also features a brief weird cameo slash performance by her Hotel New Hampshire co-star Rob Lowe, right? Who in contact yeah. plays Richard Rank, who's like right. the like, like the conservative, conservative senator. Like, do we need to go yeah. to space? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Right. Like, right. I think he's like only on a TV. Yeah, movie, which is so funny. I think ninety-seven Rob Lowe. That would have been right before. Western. I would just encourage anybody to rewatch Contact if they have not. A Rob Contact. Lowe said episode. Wow. Let's just say. Oh, indeed. Ripe with uh, <laughs> legally yours, a lot of options. I feel like there are more B sides than A sides. No, oh, certainly. Like he's Plenty of C sides, Mr. Lowe, Robert, <laughs> Robert Lowe. Um, but any, what are final Jody thoughts, I suppose, as we kind of come to the I end think I hear you on the her not fitting, and that sticks out every once in a while. I do think, though, I don't know of many other people who have had certainly I'll say this at least leading ladies who have had the amount of success she has 
that have really had the chance to do a lot of different things. Like even watching Anna and the King, I was like, how many people, and I don't even, again, I don't want to say how many people could do it because I'm sure there are plenty of actresses that have not gotten the opportunity that could, right. that could be this talented to do this, but like, but she could give you, she could give you Charles Bronson in the brave one, but she can also give you Deborah Carr in right, the King, right? right, right, right. Like she right. can like do these different things. And it's that, funny, Deborah I think Carr is, is a, if you're looking for like another era comp, right? Deborah maybe that's Carr it's like is a close Jodie yeah. Foster Jason. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's why. I just wanted to quickly um, say she narrated a great documentary. Uh, I would encourage everybody to watch called "Be Natural: The Untold Story of Alice Guy Blachet" mm. from a few years back. Great, it's about Alice Guy Blachet, who's an amazing silent film director who kind of her movies got lost, huh. and I think Jodie narrated and also helped. In the re- in the restoration of a lot of Alice Guy Boucher's films, which I believe now they're like Criterion Collection collections of her films, and that is just important from a film restorative context. She's the bad guy in Elysium, which oh, is a bad, bad bad movie. Yeah. She's very fun in it. That was from oh twenty thirteen. Right. She's sort of keying into like the Inside Man. She, she made a uh, she made a Polanski movie just to keep it really <laughs> non controversial. She, she did the Polanski same movie the same the year as the Beaver. Same so the Beaver. Oh my god! Twenty eleven. She was really testing <laughs> people. Jody. And then she took a nice long break, and then she started in a weird movie, kind of a weird fun ish movie called Hotel Artemis from a few years back. Oh yeah. The Muritanian, which was the the Kevin McDonald kind of political She won a movie. Golden Globe for She that, got nominated for Golden Globe. Yeah. I don't know if she won. Maybe she won. And then now Nyad. So she acts way less. She talks openly about like she often thinks she's done with acting. She wants to direct more, but then something like Nyad comes along and she gets kind of her fires reignited. She makes it so, you know, she is one of one. You know, I think that would be what I would say about Jody. I mean, just any Deborah Kerr, whatever comparisons aside, there's nobody like her. I mean, really, it's true. She really is, I think, on her own island, not Nim's island, not Nim's Jody's island, Jody's island. Not- <laughs> Jody's island of talent. Alicia's Island. And frankness, Alicia Christian uh, Foster's Island. I think my takeaway is that I think what it watching these did challenge my own. I guess typecasting assumptions of like what a Jodie Foster movie sure. is and what sure. a Jodie Foster certainly. part is because like certainly. watching her do the Nims Island thing, there's like some slapsticky stuff yeah. in there. Well, that like, was another thing. I think like she is funny. I, yeah. yeah, she is funny, and it's like, and I was watching. I was like, there's nothing she's doing there that is wrong. Yeah. Like, like she's. I think she was doing a kind of like. Like earlier, you do it like 15 years earlier, maybe, and like a Meg Ryan would be in that yes, part. Yes, sure. You know, and it was yeah, like, yeah. and there's like, I could see that working. So she wasn't doing anything wrong. She was doing it perfectly it's like Meg well. Like Ryan and Joe versus the volcano. And so, yeah, and so it was like maybe the problem is like I've cast in my head like it's got to be intense. It's got to be like there's got to be big stakes. There's got to be like danger. Mm. There's got to be like, and so I was like, am I just am I am I just assuming what? Right. she was meant for but then i went ahead and i saw like and then we see night country and i see night i was like oh no no, no. i i do feel like that is her she spent a lot of her career trying to get shoehorned into a part that was less interesting than she is you know into well, parts and I do think like, the beauty know. of the night country character just as a performance is that like in the show at least a couple episodes in everybody hates her 
And yes. I, she seems so comfortable. And she's spoken very openly in her press about it. And I kind of get it. Yeah, they do. Where it almost did that. seems like she's been waiting to play that role for like, and also Inside Man, you can almost see the joy too, because sim- it's a similar character where like yeah. everybody hates this fixer character. You know, just in terms of like the emotion coming back at the character. You can see the joy in Jody playing this like honest, brutal, like unlikable character, but also very intelligent yeah kind of fish out of water in some respects and it's nice it's nice it it works really well well. for the night country thing because these people have lived on top of each other forever yeah and i i remember reading some press about it and she like whatever previous version of the script there was she wasn't really responding to the material and i think at some point they were like oh no this lady's an asshole like that's what it is and then they kind of took off from there and i just am very excited for it yeah yeah and it's cool yeah Issa lopez is doing a great job She, she directed the episodes and I think, yeah, anyway, it's exciting. It's happening as we're recording along with the NIA nomination, I think is interesting. And uh, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. Connor, or I guess Katie, thank you for being with us yeah. in person. Yeah. What do you got going on? Tell us about anything in your life that you want to tell us about. Um, I... I- most of the stuff I'm working on, I can't talk you can't about say. right now. So don't say. <laughs> so, so, yeah. say, say nothing. so so there's a lot. There's a lot of pot well, spoiling. Can I there's ask a lot you, of stuff cooking. Give us know. one. Uh, what's a Jody? Not a Jody we talked about, but a Jody uh, uh, other Jody you'd recommend. I mean, there's many. I guess this but. this is going to come at no surprise as no surprise. We did recently rewatch Silence of the Lambs, and, Oof, I'm just, and Dan and I were you, talking about that last day. Like, it's just like, one of the best movies. It really is a movie. You think like you're like. Oh yeah, it's like good, right? And then you just watch it. You're like, oh no, yeah, this it's is just so incredible. One of the She's incredible. Yeah, you know, everybody's incredible. incredible. Scott like, Glenn's incredible. Everybody's the pacing incredible. is incredible. Like it's like I know there are little problematic blips about you know how they're treating a character. Yeah. But we forget the guilt stuff, of that like, gave us Philadelphia. And so you got if I if I might just dip my toe in the boiling water, I, I rewatching it for this prep. The movie does feel like it kind of skirts around some stuff in a way that is makes it less problematic than maybe the movie you have in your brain because yeah. they With very the specifically identify the character and the psychology of the character in question so as not to lump him in with a broader like anyway like you're, 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 you're totally right yeah. that's a great it's, point it's they a, don't just like gloss I mean like yeah, no, he's a trainee or whatever like, it's, no, yeah, no, no. it is yeah, certainly yeah, like true. an equivocating thing that's that the movie yeah. does that's true. it's totally so I get why well, people look, might be look, like Demi about it is a very, was, it was yeah. oh, a very humanist filmmaker and, and he responded to that criticism he made Philadelphia that was an important movie so I think I always like I always like the ending of that story of like taking Totally reasonable criticism and kind of trying to react to it in a responsible way. I always think is nice. So I, but yeah, silence is a great recommendation. I guess I would recommend. Eesh, there's so many. I mean, Panic Room, of course. I mean, yeah. I would just say in 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 framing of the, you know, having just watched Hotel in New Hampshire, it is on Tubi. Super interesting movie. Tony Richardson, super interesting director. You know, a really early, interesting Rob Lowe performance. Jody's really good. I would say that's one I would definitely recommend. The Hotel in New Hampshire. Bo Bridges. Uh, a lot of people. A lot of people in that one. A lot of, a lot of really interesting performances. Connor, uh, as you lead uh, us to the end, what do you think? Yeah, I would probably recommend, obviously, Contact, if people haven't seen it. I think that movie rules. Great. Um, I think she's great in it. In terms of something people might not have seen... I so I watched the brave one and it's I don't think it's like a great movie 
but mm-hmm. I do think it's like a slightly more interesting movie than you might think at first glance. Okay. Just because the, the basic sort of log line is like death wish with a conscience. You know, like okay. what if someone was yes. doing a death wish and then was like, maybe I shouldn't be doing a death wish Like, <laughs> is kind of the thing. Yeah. Granted, it, the problem with the movies, it does run into a little bit of the have its cake and eat it too kind of thing. Right. So that that's a thing. But, uh, yeah. you know, not not the worst. She's good, though. You yeah, say that. Not the worst. Watch. Very good. Um, yeah. And yeah, well, Katie, thank you yeah. as usual. Oh. For joining us, oh yeah, I I remember to pluggable. I should say yes. This um, this is not my pluggable per se, but like my company, like uh, my husband uh, produced um, a movie called Once Again for the very first time. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yes. and it is having its uh, American Film Festival debut um, coming up on the thirteenth and fourteenth of February. Cool. at the Pan African Field Festival in Los Angeles. Oh yeah. So once again, LA, the, yeah. LA folks, once again for the very first time, do check and it out. And that's Boaz. Boaz. Right. Yeah. Boaz Yakin. Yeah. Boaz Yakin, the great yeah, it's filmmaker. Yeah, it's a it's a good movie. Um, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is resolutely non-commercial, and I think and I think, in, in, in a good way. <laughs> Whatever. In take a good that. Way. Yeah. In a good way. That's it. Th- that said positively, met yes. positively. I, yes. That makes me more excited to see it. I just got back from Sundance, so yes, the, I love that energy. Let's take it into February, and for anybody in LA, we have a lot of LA people. Let's yeah, check it out, and um, yeah, I love Boaz, love Nicholas, love love that it's out there. Um, and that's it. Uh, you can follow me, Letterbox DJ Mecca, Twitter DJ Mecca. I live in Pittsburgh. Come by, say hi. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, yeah, and you can follow us on social at TFSB side. If you've liked what you've heard, please do rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, and coming up, we have uh, obviously the rest of our audience choice to get to. So there will be Sigourney Weaver will be right. coming up on the docket as well. So we'll probably talk again about that. Oscar, Even though she got nominated, uh, she should probably talk. Yeah. I think Girls in this is yeah. B-side. Who remembers uh, Girls in the list? Does anybody remember that? It? It's not a B-side. But who no. remembers it? Oh, Very no. famous Stan movie. Fossey? Okay. Quite well, unreal. We're going to talk about it anyway. We're still going to talk about it. Yeah. Unofficial. Don Cheadle is also on the docket as well oh, as great. the, Excited the about B-sides Dawn. of Martin Scorsese. So, right. uh, that Marty, come yeah. Dune. Yeah. I liked it. All right, sorry. <laughs> We're going to talk about Kundun. <laughs> we are going to talk about Kundun. But yeah, before we get to that, uh, yeah, thank you again, Katie and Dan. It's so good to see your face. Always. Good to be here. And just both of you remember, no one's more naiad than you are. <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> 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 and now you're listening to the B-side.